Welcome everybody to Mog Talk. This is episode 256. If you guys are unfamiliar with Mog Talk, it's a show based around a Final Fantasy XIV community discussing everything from savage raiding to chugaboo racing. And today we are continuing our journey through the Final Fantasy XIV story. Uh, a little bit different than what we have before, but bringing on Pyro Mancer and Anana Moose. I don't know why I broke those up the way I did, but we did it. Uh, before we go too much further, uh, would you guys mind introducing yourself? I'll start with you, Pyro. Uh, sure. Hi. Yeah, I'm Pyromancer, and uh, I stream Final Fantasy XIV, as you guys may or may not know. Um, and um, this is, is this the, is this the third time that we're on here now? Is this the so, so we had you on uh, at the very beginning with Realm Reborn, then a Heaven's Ward, then, then we did Shadowbringer, or not Shadowbringers, but Stormblood. So this is the fourth time. This is the fourth time. Damn. Holy shit. Been four? Yeah. One per expansion. Yeah, yeah. Damn. All right, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's always fun. It's been like we've. It's been like a year, hasn't it? It's been a yeah. It's been. You mean like the whole time? Yeah, the 14, whole time since we started. Yeah. Uh, fourteen months. How about that? <laughs> How about that? All right. Well, uh, guys, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Anonymous, but Moose, tell everybody who you are. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like going, I'm going through it. Like, what do I say? What do I say? Like, I think mostly at this point, I'm just known as someone who's been around forever and tries to be really friendly if you ask questions. Like, <laughs> everything else has slowly been like either eaten away by real life or like bad atmosphere. Real life. <laughs> what is real life, man? Terrible. Yeah, Still trying to figure terrible. out how I can get a cheat code for it. It's not. Yeah. It's you know infinite gold. It. What what's the glittering gold command for Warcraft three or whatever it is or Warcraft two? <laughs> I <laughs> Blizzard, Blizzard games are his thing. I uh, I only okay. remember money okay. cheats from shit like The Sims. Okay. Uh. Yo, that's a good point. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, anyways. <laughs> we should get back to Final Fantasy XIV, I guess. But yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been a very long time. And we were going to do this right before uh, I had to go on a break. But unfortunately, some stuff came up and we had to kind of stop that. Uh, life has stabilized a, at least a decent bit for me now. Uh, and so it's a good time to come back. It's going to be a little bit different than our other shows because... Now we're going back after you're done with everything and reflecting on expansion instead of doing it directly after the expansion, yeah. um, which is good. I think has a lot of good things to it because we can dive into some details that we would have to kind of dance around before. But we did so good dancing around before, but we don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> we're done. No, we don't have to be so careful anymore. Yeah. Now we can talk about whatever. And if it accidentally comes into the conversation, it's. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, I do want to ask this real quick before we go too much into it, because we had that at the beginning with the clip and Graha and everything. That was like one of the biggest things that was actually spoiled from you in some way, right? I, if I remember right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was something that uh, was spoiled, I think. I, I think... Uh, I can't remember where, where I, I saw it. I think it might have been... Um, like Scion Station, yeah, like Scion Grahatia or something. Mm. Um, and I kind of figured it out from there. I think I think is what it was. But uh, 
not that it was necessarily hard to figure out anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the yeah. Crystal Tower and it was a cat boy, so. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> mean. We didn't know it was, but. We, we basically figured it out, like, when they did yeah. the first initial trailer for the expansion. I mean, it was there. <laughs> but yeah. that being said, I mean, did it change how you felt about the story or anything? Like, did it really? No. No. No, not that one, no. I mean, I, I felt like that was meant to be pretty obvious from the get-go. So, the, honestly, like, the thing that was was most, like, uh, disorienting, I guess, about it was having people try to convince me that it wasn't Grahatia for some reason. So that was going to, like, help the situation somehow. And so then when it turned out to be Grahatia, I'm like, guys, it's fucking Grahatia. Like, why did you? But anyway. Uh, yeah. But no, it didn't, it didn't negatively impact the story for me. As I could tell, looking at that, it seemed like you're you're definitely into the story at that point. Yeah. Uh, but okay, well, going back to Shadowbringers, how long has it been since you completed it? Uh, was it December? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't remember <laughs> when I finished Shadowbringers. It's been a it's been a while. I mean, it probably was. Yeah, probably around like December. Probably like around my birthday because it didn't. When did Endwalker come out? Uh, the snow? End of November? Early December? It was early December? Oh my god, I can't remember because like there was a delay. 15th, wasn't it? Something like that? A couple days after my birthday, I think it was. Mm, I think that anyway, a- anyway it's, it's, been, it's been a while. Like, I finished it um, at least six months ago, I think. Okay, well, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. At least six months. We'll go with at least six months. Um... Do you remember a lot about Shadowbringers or did it just like leave your mind or was it one of those things that just stuck with you? I mean, there's definitely like scenes in my mind that will probably stick with me forever. Uh, but there's also probably a lot of little de- details that I probably won't remember <laughs> terribly well. Okay. Uh, but I, I can remember like the most impactful and meaningful to me. I, I can remember all of those. Okay. Okay. Um. So <laughs> we'll get into exactly those scenes in a little bit, uh, but I just want to kind of gauge where you were with it because we are kind of in that different situation with being looking back from further away than previously. Sure. Um, do you remember, I guess, when you were in Stormblood and then you went into that transition going into Shadowbringers, um, how were you feeling kind of at the end of Stormblood and did it like, I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this, uh, did it prepare you for what you were going into with Shadowbringers? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think towards the end of Stormblood, you can tell. Uh, shit. <laughs> Is that a, that's a thing that can happen? <laughs> I, I clicked the wrong button. That's I'm so right. sorry. continue continue (laughs) all fixed um i definitely think at at the end of stormblood you can tell that they were leaning like more into the garlean empire thing and bringing xenos into relevance and and uh making him more than a little bit more than just a you know snarling evil freak uh you know is he is he gone again? We lose him again? No, I'm I'm here. I'm no, just, he's still there. Okay, I'm your really camera's just not on for us. Okay, just making sure. Oh, my camera's not on for you guys. No. Oh, hold on. You gotta see my face. Oh no! If you I, minimize it and it. reopen it, oh, I do think you? I'll show up. Yeah. Oh 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 oh! The same thing happened to Moose earlier. Yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you scared me. Thank you. No, my bad. My bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, so any anyway, uh, 
yeah, like the towards the end of it, like it definitely had me thinking more, especially the Shinryu situation, like had me thinking more about like what like what primals are and and where do they really like where are they really sourced from uh and how how do they take form and and what are all the different ways that they can come to fruition because it's not always just it's not always the same it can be very very different very different emotions very different people very different representations which mm -hmm. has uh just become even more interesting with what we've learned in Endwalker. um yeah so so yeah, I I liked the wrap up for Stormblood, and at the end of it, um, I felt pretty satisfied at the storylines that had been closed, and was excited and a little bit scared of of what we were gonna run into. Right with the end at Stormblood, you finding out that Xenos isn't really gone, and you're like, "Oh fuck, dude! Like, when are we gonna? When are we gonna be done with this guy?" Right? Yeah. Uh, and we weren't done that... with him in that next expansion. <laughs> no, and we weren't done then either. So um so. It was kind of cool. You definitely could tell that they were laying some of the foundations for the character arcs that happened throughout uh, Shadowbringers and Endwalker. They had to start that at that point. Mm -hmm. um, not that they didn't even earlier in Heaven's Ward, but I think Heaven's Ward um, is often seen as like, yeah, the. I think I think Preach had a similar take of like Heaven's Ward is like, yeah, this is the cool, this is the dragons, like this is the cool for this reason. But they started to set up a little bit deeper in the next in Stormblood. So yeah, yeah. it was good. I liked it. The wrap cool. up was good. Cool. Um I I've one of the big things I remember about going into Shadowbringers was just how like immediately kind of dark it felt like as soon as you went in there. <laughs> like I think you're at the first interaction you have is with a merchant that you talk to and then you see reference references to him like dying immediately afterwards. Right? Yeah. Like Yep. <laughs> I was like, well, that that's fucking rough. I just met that guy a couple minutes ago. Like, mm -hmm. that's really terrible. Uh, yeah, so it definitely starts you off a little heavier. And I mean, the quest lines that you lead into with with Alphano and Alice are uh, obvious, especially Alice are obviously uh, very, uh, very heavily leaning into that, that mm -hmm. kind of this is going to be a little bit more fucked up beyond what you might be used to seeing <laughs> like we're mm -hmm. we're now in a world where morality is a little bit different yeah i feel i feel like the intended uh like what i was intended to experience in that scene hit me just right because there was so much on the first that seemed to be like a remix of eorzea like mm -hmm. you know there was so much familiarity there so the first thing we see when we arrive on on the first is a merchant that's dressed just like the merchants we met when we first came into our cities. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's our new Brent or whatever. And this is going to be like my new guy who shows up for a couple times as I'm getting ready. And then he gets immediately killed. And I'm like, oh, this is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> this is if the dice were rolled to just a little bit different here or there. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was, that's a really good point is like the quickly establishing the contrast, but heavy similarities to our world. And I think that, that really makes it hit home really quick as far as like this place was very similar to Eorzea, mm -hmm. uh, to, to Heidelin. And uh, we're about to see what's uh, what an un, an unhinged world looks like. I mean, do you like that kind of storytelling where it kind of gets kind of dark? Yeah. And yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. 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 I mean, wow. Wow. Always tried to tackle like the dark and heavy shit. But the cartoony kind of look to wow always kind of like made it suffer in that regard, in my opinion. Mm hmm. Um, and just the the medium of storytelling in that game, like we've discussed many times, is just so spread out that in order to get the real crude like uh, descriptions of characters, you got to read the books. 
Um, whereas in this game, yeah, like they tackle it, they tackle it really <laughs> directly uh, in the game in a way that WoW WoW just doesn't. Like WoW WoW has has gotten like dark, but not quite like Tesslene dark, <laughs> like not not Hal not Halric dark type shit. Like it's not quite like that. So I I, I do like it because I think uh, the way that they use really sinister themes in ways that feel like again i think it always comes back to like not not like losing that illusion right like Mm -hmm. if you can maintain that illusion and and keep it believable Mm -hmm. uh that's like the most twisted shit and i think that's why areas like yulemore and like the you know with the with the food there really fucked me up because i was like that's that's some shit that really could like that would people would do that type of crazy shit yeah yeah uh bringing up tesseline that was like the highlight of the expansion with like moments of just holy fuck what am i even playing right now uh yeah that that was pretty that was pretty gruesome and that was all, all, you know apparently after they toned it down even as well is what i'm mm-hmm. told so uh you know i, I kind of would have liked to see the original but uh they but toned what it, down they, that, oh. that cinematic apparently that Tesline one i i heard anyway that the, mm-hmm. that the that there was one even before the one that came into the game oh. that was toned down i don't know if that's if, if the validity of that claim but it's a, definitely a rumor that i've heard mm. uh, but but it was it's definitely the moment that you look back and like i feel like for me anyway recognize like Pretty much from here on out, it was pretty fucked up. (laughs) Shit just kind of got fucked up from here here on out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, going into that first dungeon, right? Yeah, Uh, not Katana Rival, but yeah, Holminster Switch. That was really Uh, rough. Like, and it just felt like it. That whole test lead situation just felt weird because it was just like, okay, well, we we kill her, we just keep going. Just it's not like a big moment. It's just part of the dungeon. And I think that, I don't know, to me, that almost speaks to, like, the hopelessness of what happened to her is, like, there's nothing we can do. Like, we're here now, and she's in the way, and this fucking sucks, but, like, there's no, we can't cure this person. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what you can't stay there and mourn her. You know, we're here to, we're here to fight an even mm-hmm. bigger threat in this other uh, Sin Eater. So, yeah, you know, it, it really, I feel like... It was it was one of those dark moments where one of your teammates like or one of your friends goes down, but all you can do is like look at their corpse and mo- and keep going, like a zombie movie almost. Right? Honestly, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. They're, like they're gone, they're gone. Like we yeah. have to let them go now, and and that that was like it was just rough. It was like yeah, we roll up and now we have to now we have to slay you. <laughs> <This> is- <laughs> oh. It was yeah. painful. It was painful. It was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, but it did make me kind of like fall in love with that expansion. Like get really deeply invested in everything that was going on. Uh, and I don't know if I'm just sick and twisted and we were all sick and twisted and that kind of stuff kind of just <laughs> it piques our interest. But it just grabs your attention, I think. Yeah. You know, it's like this is I think I think when the direness of a situation is made that apparent to you that aggressively that quickly you know that i think that can kind of light a fire under your asses like and and i think that's really what they wanted to do was really get the point across that this world's on the brink and mm-hmm. normal people are are this close to not being a thing anymore mm-hmm. and uh it made it feel very very grim <laughs> so and and i think that was super well done super well done yeah 
Uh, so, I mean, going past that, though, I mean, that was just part of the two different... I mean, you were experiencing it with every single Scion. You kind of went into, like, a, a little bit of a different part of that world. Uh, How did you feel about that whole experience, going back and finding your friends and seeing, you know, their experiences? It, they were all just completely separate, which is yeah. uh, kind of interesting. And they all got there at different points of the time in time, right? Because time was all mm -hmm. weird. Um, yeah. I guess I, I'd want to ask you about that concept too, because time is doing time stuff is always gets kind of goofy. Do you feel sure. like they did it properly within Shadowbreakers? Uh, so I'm not like I'm not a big fan of time travel generally, but I would definitely say it's passable. I think that like initially, what they immediately do by basically saying like ah, oh, time does function differently, but with how things are working now, <laughs> we're kind of in a moment of sync like synchronicity. So. We don't have to worry about it right now. And so they, <laughs> you know, that's kind of like a, that's kind of, a, I feel like that is a cop out kind of thing to do. Yeah. But at the same time, it works. And mm -hmm. you don't have to like do, as far as I'm aware, you don't have to do like any crazy retconning or like come up with some crazy abstract concept for it to work. Right. So mm -hmm. it, it's kind of a Passover, kind of a sweeping under the rug type of like go ahead. Mm -hmm. But, but I think that especially once you see how the time travel actually ties into Endwalker, that I would say yes. I, I okay. think on its own, the Shadowbringers time travel could, is a little bit confusing. The whole concept of the Eighth Calamity and like how they averted it, but now they're here now is like, I'm sort of kind of not understanding that but <laughs> during the moment. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the, the culminations later on and how the wrap-up quest can help to make that make more sense with the Ironworks and all that stuff. But yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, I think it was it was it was passable. I'd say. Okay, okay. If I remember right, Thancrit was there the longest, wasn't he, or was it someone else? I'm trying to remember uh, who got sucked. I think up it first. was either Thancrit or Yustola. Um, Moose, do you went down first at the dinner, right? Or not the dinner, the friggin' uh, dinner table alliance <laughs> meeting. Yeah, you, who, you who was Thancred? that? That went down first. Thancred went down at the alliance yeah. meeting, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Was it Thancred, and then was it like Urianje and Shtola that came in like a similar times or something like that? They came in like a, I don't remember exactly. I don't remember who went down in what yeah. order. Yeah, I can go back, but it's spaced. Yeah, I think I think it was Thancred, then Yishtola and Yurianje, uh, and the yeah. twins after that, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah so, someone's saying he was five years, Shtola and Yuri were three, so they came at the same time similarly, and then uh, then the twins. Yeah. So, uh, um, I didn't, I, to answer the question, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind that. I liked how they kind of staggered them back in. I think it's a bad idea to like, oh my god, everyone's here all of a sudden, like, better mm -hmm. get to work, you know? There's a lot of missed opportunity there as far as storytelling goes if you don't take advantage of being able to introduce them back slowly, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I did like that. And it, and it felt like, I think really what it felt like, you were getting something back. You know, like, I think I can speak for a lot of people when, where I say, like, by the time you're in Shadowbringers, you have an attachment to a lot of these characters. Oh, yeah. And you feel like you're really getting your comrades back. And um, especially in a world in the state of the first, like that's a really meaningful thing. I mean, it's the most meaningful thing uh, as we <laughs> later on kind of find out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I loved that and, mm -hmm. and kind of getting the individual stories that helped to expand, not only what has this character been doing and, and opening up that storyline, but the way that, th how they've been interacting with the world and like what's been going on in Yulemore and how has that been affecting how Alphano has grown? Like the way that they right. tied it all together in that way was really sweet. 
Yeah. And in, it didn't feel segmented. It didn't feel separated. It felt very cohesive. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I was very much a fan of that style of storytelling when we first arrived. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty like, cool. Oh, go ahead, Moose. I feel like a lot of this was just like very brilliant game design. Yeah. Um, because when we when we first left off or when we last left off with the first, I shouldn't use the word first twice in that sentence. Yeah. Um, when we last left off with the first, like we they didn't know there was going to be more story. They didn't really have long term plans for the Warriors of Darkness. They, so when we wrapped up with them in 3.4, that was kind of supposed to feel like it was it at first. Like they were going to take Minfilia, they were going to go home, they were going to do something. So if we jumped right into the story, then there wouldn't be a lot for us to do. Right. So like that weird close in time. Right. That oscillating time situation bought them 100 years of history to do world building for so that by the time we show up, there's a whole different status quo. There's stuff to explore. We don't know anything. And then the stuff that we did in 3.4 is now like a legend. But at the mm -hmm. same time, if time was always that discrepant or moving that fast, then it would kind of undermine everything we know <laughs> and everything mm -hmm. we want to do. So they had to create that like oscillation that sometimes they just go faster, slower relative to each other for a bit. And that it's not and, always a, a constant difference in it. Yeah. And yeah. Now, we're now we're just coincidentally lining up just right. So that we can have our friends be there for a couple years without fucking with the time bubble. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was great that they were able to give like our friends history and give the world history, but not screw too much with how we were already experiencing the story. Like that whole thing about the time wobbliness felt very like just brilliant, brilliant game design. Um, the time travel itself made me so salty. <laughs> for a few months because like alexander was probably one of the only time travel stories i thought was done well they created this really cool bootstrap paradox they made it so that like the history that was set up was made possible by the events that we were doing like they Super showed cool, like dude they show time as this like four dimensional block that's just it's all happening at once and you have to live in the part that you're born in like you're there's a fate to it almost and then in comes Shadowbringers, and it's just like now nah, we split it so now there's multiple dimensions and there's you know <laughs> you can change the future and the past and i'm like no no you can't what and i just got around to accepting maybe Maybe like the great black rift between dimensions is our universe's chaos. It's it's the infinite multiverse unmanifest. It's all potential time, all potential space. And then we reached into the rift and we created a new graft of history so that we could move on. Okay, fine. I accept it. And then Endwalker walks in like, bam, new bootstrap paradox. It was like this all like. And the funny thing was, like, I spent all of Shadowbringers trying to point out that inconsistency and trying to resolve it. And everyone's like, ignore it. It's fine. It's fine. I'm like, it's not it fine. I hate again. it. And then Endwalker <laughs> comes out. Endwalker comes out. And it's like, bootstrap paradox. I'm like, great. I feel great. Everything's resolved now. That was amazing. Thank you. And everyone else is like, I hate it. <laughs> I really love the time loop, like, stuff that they did in, in Endwalker. How, the, I, think, I think it was really cool, like, how... For me, anyway, I kind of slowly came to the realization of what of like that I really was there, and this wasn't 
me intervening on something that had happened, but we really went like when they when they utilize time travel in that way, it I don't know, it just made you feel like you were a part of something that that you that you didn't get to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, it's uh, it's pretty sweet. But I do yeah. agree with the Alexander thing, like Alexander's initial uh, storyline. I remember that was a really long, like 15 hour stream for me. And uh, I remember people asking me that, like, what do you think of the time travel? What do you think of the time travel? Because I wasn't a big fan of it from WoW. Um, and it was it was it was pretty sweet. And I don't know. I, I also kind of fanboy a little bit when I see things like that. I think just generally were cool. Come back and like see them get combined mm-hmm. with other shit like Omega and Alexander. Like that's that's one of the coolest things ever. So um, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm obviously just fanboying a little bit about that. But but yeah, yeah. definitely some of the better time travel instances of of games that i've played okay okay i mean i I forgot about minfilia to be honest with you that she was technically the first one they're not the anchorit right oh yeah (laughs) well i don't know what what about uh what about our boy graha when did he get there again um uh like i mean 90 something years before the long time ago (laughs) (laughs) okay so but he left after us. Mm-hmm. True. So what okay. batch you want to put him in is. Yeah. For a while, I kept joking. That was the way you resolve the time paradox. After the adventure, you got to shove shove Catboy back in the tower so he can wake up <laughs> and take yeah. his false memories back to the past and keep the loop going. Oh, that weren't was they... so crazy. Go ahead. Yeah. weren't what, Yeah. Didn't they do that? Did they give us like that scare of like, nah, he's going to have to go away type shit. We were gonna lose him at the end of it. I like I fully expected it that we were gonna have to do something with that. I think and then really like gave us that vibe. The the mm-hmm. end of the story was like Grahatia himself was like, huh, I didn't get deleted. That's weird. Anyway. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh right. Yeah, wasn't Alice getting like mad at him because he would like kept like volunteering his life up like <laughs> all the time? Because mm-hmm. he Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah he was basically trying so- to trying to fulfill this own this prophecy that he thought existed mm-hmm. yeah no graha man i didn't you know i actually didn't know there was so much like a love for that character but there is there is a ton of love for graha uh even i think before all this stuff people were really interested in the crystal tower stuff but for me i almost forgot about him i'm gonna be honest with you when <laughs> and this is me horrible frosty that doesn't pay attention enough to the story but when I saw him in the trailer and people were like, oh, that's Graha. I'm like, who? And like, oh. <laughs> I, felt like <laughs> I felt like such an asshole about it. But I mean, he, he is like one of the most popular characters uh, in the game now, uh, for sure. Um, and Relatable. As people are like, Hilda's number one. I'm like, who's Hild- Hilda? I'm like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm like, oh, the half Ella's and half here chick. That's yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot all about her because. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's kind of uh, another. <laughs> especially if you're getting into it and you're kind of bursting through the story. And that's why, because going into Endwalker, uh, they were, no, it was Shadowbringer, right? Shadowbringers, they were like, please do Crystal Tower. And mm. then they said that they for Endwalker yeah, again, too, I think, too. Yeah, they said it for both, right? Can't remember. Probably you should do it anyway. Yeah. Super big lore. Yeah, it's like huge. I'm trying to remember what they said we should play for Endwalker, because I remember him just being like, what should you play? The game. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> all of it. Yeah, I remember seeing like a post about that. Like, what you should do everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you never know what might be relevant again. Yeah, no. If we if we if we if we get back together for an uh, an Endwalker episode, I'll go into like more ranting about the time travel. But like, I was I was salty about it in Shadowbringers, and I'm really glad that they found a way to like make it seem like Vana pulled all these different threads from different possible histories and wove them yeah. all together into this one thing that's happened the whole time. I'm kind of curious if that's where Pandemonium is going. That like we already did it, so we just have to do it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Um, but the the weaving together to of timelines <laughs> into one timeline, I've got like I've got so many comments on that for the Endwalker episode. If we okay. do one, oh, we're gonna I, have no, to do one because if we don't get to talk about Vana and Pandemonium <laughs> and Aglaia, I'm gonna lose my shit. It's like the best lore in the whole game, dude. I, I'm so, so excited to get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back, uh, Menphilia, she was the first one to venture into it. And she had this whole huge effect on the first. She destroyed it, basically, right? Or am I, am I imagining that? Like, did she cause the wave of light? What caused the wave of light again? Or she was wave of light. The like the actual flood itself was yeah. blamed on Eden, the first sin eater, for most of the story. Okay. She is like what like um, created the current situation where you have that like one open area. So even though she quote unquote saved it she was also setting up the status quo that was then exploited by the Asians again in this one okay okay i had it reverse sorry so she was like remember she was she was remembered as a savior but also the light was remembered as horrible so it's like this very interesting dynamic between them all um Ard yeah. Ardbert took most of the blame wasn't it um wasn't it that Ardbert and them had had developed a an incredibly dense like blade of light when they struck the Asian with it it like created an explosion from within the Asian that started the flood of light is that actually where it came from it's like how he like turned him into eden somehow like the whole thing is very um i think kind of ambiguous whatever yeah it's kind of what it needs to be because eden was not supposed to be the raid it was supposed to be the final boss oh, so there shit. were some things there were some things that were shifted around in order to make it all work. And some of the reveals of the information came out at different times. And I think they were originally intended. So I really just took, yeah, yeah. Uh, my turn became Eden when you hit him with the blade of light because reasons. I just kind of took yeah. that at face value. Same. Okay. 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 Yeah. I didn't know that, that Eden was supposed to be the last boss. I mean, they, how they changed it was way better. Then I'm sure it would have been if it was Eden. I don't know, maybe not, but the Eden raid's fucking amazing. That's such nice. a good raid, dude. I could have gotten a couple of those reveals like a little earlier because it was already 3.4 when we were like we were already moving on to like uh pre-endwalker stuff by the time they were finally revealing what Eden actually was. And I think I could have I could have done with some of that information earlier, but it was worth it to trade that for the story we got. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um and we were talking about this a little bit before we came on, but the thing that was kind of weird and hard to, I don't know, for me to to go through is understanding what Menphilia was kind of doing to just like random young girls, it seemed like, like making them into oracles of light and like they were kind of like sacrifices. And then she's just said, hey, I'm done with this. This is too weird for me. It, but it took her about 100 years to do that, right? Uh, Well, I think it was... I think a, a lot of it was kind of like done by necessity as far as like the puzzle pieces aren't really in place yet for us to mm -hmm. do anything else. And it was kind of like this unfortunate sacrifice. Yeah, that kind of 
had to occur in order to keep shit in check. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it was, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Moose, but I, wasn't it kind of like the, was it kind of like the same kind of like recycling of the essence of Minfilia that was just being kind of passed through different mortal girls that was, is that what was occurring? I don't exactly remember. I would the exact explanation again, and I can even do it while we're talking probably. Um, <laughs> But she she compared it a little bit to like the Asiat, the way the Asiats were doing things, but with better intentions. Um, mm-hmm. I would have to look up the exact words that she used again. I, when you were asking how long it's been since we beat the story, uh, I, <laughs> she, I looked up my achievement just for shiggles. OK, and I, I beat the story on july 3rd 2019 so it's been a minute <laughs> yeah that's fair three years um, three years all oh, right that's why they but were yeah, serving like, as the oracles Duh. they yeah there were like mortals that were being born with the same kind of rebirth cycle kind of thing and she was mm-hmm. like kind of sidejacking the Asian mechanics hopping around mm-hmm. yeah i forgot that she actually would take control of them at times because i guess that's yeah. how she stopped the flood like mm-hmm. literally through the oracle of light so uh, i guess that makes sense yeah yeah, I think like they they tried to make sense of it because like Heidelin uh, later talked about how she had to ferry the soul between the dimensions. So mm-hmm. even though Minfilia died on the first and was reborn on the like she could be reborn on the first and then do the Oracle thing again. Mm-hmm. And I remember there being like a very there was like a technicality in the way she talked about it. I'm going to look it up while we're talking. Sure. Yeah, no, I the only reason I bring it up is because it's just one of those situations where you realize, you know, you're the good guys and everything, but the good guys are doing something that's very questionable. Uh, but then you're like, well, I guess it should still happen. You have to sit with that feeling of doing questionable things for the greater good. Uh, that's what it felt like to me, at least. Um, I think it, I think Shadowbringers definitely had that kind of like tone to it in general. As far mm-hmm. as like with Emmett, you know, with with, with some people in Yulemore as far as like surviving uh even if there were some of them were ignorant like as far as uh ranjit you know mm-hmm. kind of knowing you know that this whole thing's fucked up but yeah. kind of getting lost in it and uh the same with Emmett. uh like i like i started with like him you know having just this little tiny splinter of hope inside of him and uh you know yeah. kind of recognizing the the tragedy that's occurred but still kind of being you know kind of blind, blinded in it uh, while Moose is looking that up, we can also take into the fact that Emmett came in as just a side who is this character became literally like the poster boy of the entire expansion or entire game, it feels like. <laughs> like the the character of Final Fantasy XIV that is absolutely beloved by everyone. Um, uh, yeah, I think, honestly, like, the, yeah, it depends on who you ask. I've definitely met some, met some people that, that aren't big Emmett fans, but I, really? I definitely... Yeah, yeah, I definitely could see why people are. I mean, Emma just takes um, a different angle than than the other Asians in the way that he interacts with you. And I mean, all the way through the expansion, he had me sitting there like, I still don't, I still don't know if I fucking trust you, even right. though ninety nine percent of what he said was true. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even when someone, it's just, I don't know. For me, I guess it kind of highlighted the aspect of like, even if someone. Uh, is willing to play it straight with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still might not ever develop that sense of trust with them just because of what they are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, 
I, I got your line, but I oh. also have comments on this. What do I do first? <laughs> do the line, then we can do the comments. Yeah, whatever you first? want to do, okay. whatever you do. Yeah, no, I wanted I wanted to look it up because I didn't want to put words in Minfilia's mouth here. Um, so the explanation she gave was, I'm no different from an Asian. This child is but a vessel. One of many I have used that I might spread word of her enduring blessing and preserve the flame of hope. In my name, each has died, never living her own, never having lived her own life. Gotcha. So they, they're pretty much, yeah, <laughs> they pretty much become a vessel and tool for her yeah. at that point. Mm -hmm. They have no free will or anything like that. So that I guess that's the whole, yeah. The whole thing with Reen, dude, she's one of my favorite fucking characters ever, dude. That's <laughs> that's one of my favorite storylines ever. And and honestly, I think I got I start I started to get like out of Reen what I kind of wanted like from Minfilia, I guess, to an extent. Oh, you think that's my conspiracy? <laughs> I have a conspiracy theory that that's the whole point. <laughs> honestly, like it kind of almost sort of feels like, like that. Like to get that vulnerable emotional side of Minfilia that you just never really got. Mm. Nobody nobody appreciates a good manager and like in the whole 2.0 era she was this like quiet leadership role. So all all the fans really had to experience of her was pray return to the waking sands. Pray return to the waking sands. <laughs> like she was just this person who annoyed you to do errands you didn't want to do because the developers wanted to waste your time and link pearls were insecure. So like everybody like everybody hated her, not everybody, but a lot of people hated her because like that's what she did. Nothing except annoy you to come to waking sands. And yep. so like um she was seen as this like unambiguously good supportive person, but it was also just pray return to the waking sands meme. Yeah. And I think <laughs> Pretty flat. I think when yeah. she, I think when she vanished, they were trying to open up that role a bit, like at the end of two point five, that they were trying to open up that role a bit, and then she kind of came back as the word of the mother, but they weren't going to really use that, and there was some really good drama there, and then she left, and it was over, and we weren't going to you know, use that anymore, um, and that I feel like they were okay. How can we bring her back as like someone new and cooler? And get people to like Minfilia again. And like that's what Reed feels like to me is the exploration of Minfilia whose life was not stolen from her as a child. And that's did you how much 1.0 lore have you really dug deep into, Pyro? I learned a little bit more about Minfilia after the fact, actually. Like not not a terrible amount. Um, but after it was kind of like ex like explained to me how much of like her youth she didn't really have at all. <laughs> it kind of hit a little bit more home as far as like why she seems so duty bound and like stoic all the time. And yeah. because that's literally how she had to be. <laughs> One, 1.0 opened with um, like the whole first 15 levels where you falling in and out of these echoes from 15 years ago. So you actually meet Minfilia as a child when she first comes to Eorzea. She comes to Uldah from Alamigo with her dad. And the first thing that happens in those echoes is like there are these people who are trying to stage this kind of like public uh, spectacle kind of thing. And it goes awry and Minfilia's dad gets killed. Right. And the whole uh, incident. Yeah. Flamine so. was part of this whole conspiracy to like create this incident that went awry. So she adopted Minfilia out of guilt. And Thancred never really let it go because while he was supposed to be watching for threats and figuring out what was going on, he was just like flirting with women. <laughs> Typical Thancred so, behavior. Yeah. 
he's like walking away like where in this marvel of a city might you two ladies be staying as like this whole thing is unfolding in the background so he always kind of blamed himself a little bit for her dad's death so when flamine adopted her he kept looking in on her um so like yeah her whole her whole childhood was kind of robbed of her and he told himself that he was always going to protect her because he failed to that day. So that's why he went into that like huge depression spiral after the word of the mother shattered and she died. And like, I remember having to explain a lot of people because they couldn't understand punched a manolene. They're like, dude, you punched a child. (laughs) But like the, the child was like lecturing him about how he didn't know what it was like to lose anything. Mm-hmm. and that was not the time <laughs> so that's where that came from but yeah mm-hmm. uh i feel like this whole dynamic with reen is like let's bring minfilia back and have thancred kind of find his redemption through her and get this cool minfilia that we lost and now i'm just rambling way too much but like that's kind oh, of yeah. i took away the same exact yeah. thing that that was we we like minfilia now we can all agree to like minfilia now <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, I, I think, I mean, I don't think that's that much of a conspiracy theory, to be honest. I think that there there definitely was some missing elements with Minfilia and as a product of her story. And uh, I really do like how they kind of took that grief from Thancred and used that to play on how how Reen would kind of, over, kind of overcome that type of obstacle in, in the way that Minfilia kind of maybe never could or, or Thancred never got the opportunity really is, is really more mm-hmm. what it is. So, um, yeah. yeah, I thought that, I thought Reen, like... Just during the walk at the end, Reen made me cry the hardest, dude. Like as, as, soon, as soon as her voice line came in, I just, it was, I was just, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they definitely did redeem that kind of character with another character, which is uh, pretty interesting. Everybody loves Reen and everybody loves the relationship between her and uh, Gaia, right? Uh, it's like... <laughs> just a huge thing between the two of them the oracle of darkness oracle of lightness you have this whole big thing going on you're thinking oh they're gonna battle each other and it's gonna be crazy but they just want to go get biscuits and that's, that's <laughs> just be friends and, yeah. and share yeah. jewelry and do like teenage girl things you know yeah and honestly like uh it's kind of tragic too when you start thinking about gaia and um and who she really was <laughs> like there's like an extra layer of tragedy there because it's like you have um you have like, uh, you have like, sorry, there's, sorry, I'm being very distracted by who's, who's in front of me in the game right now. Like I said, it's I have okay. the game open. No, um, it's okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, fuck. Oh, I think it's tragic because you have kind of this level of like the whole, like wiping away the memories of Gaia, who's kind of like her own person. And then Logriff on, you know, on the other side of that, like, uh, kind of suffering the, a similar fate as far as like being cast away and torn away from her, her own memories and her past. And, you know, that's a really tough uh, thing. I think morally for me was like, you know, who, who, who deserves to have their mind and memory? Like who, you know, what, what is the best outcome here? And to be honest, like we still don't even necessarily have like a full resolution to that whole Gaia situation. So I mean, that is, that is an ASEAN. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I'm, I'm interested if that'll ever become a thing again. Um, as far as uh, the story dynamics throughout the whole of the Eden raid, like 
even with even like back to the main story, like how they used Ranjit with Dan Cred was fucking amazing. Like I, I even became like came to appreciate Ranjit, even though I hated him initially. And it was kind of mm-hmm. like a weird thing of like, this guy's just as broken as everyone around here is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So that reminds me of the, and we're on the kind of Thancred storyline here because it's a huge backbone of Shadowbringers. Uh, it's just like that part of the story. But like, uh, I don't know if, do you remember you being Thancred and fighting Ranjit? Uh, yes, I do recall that. I was like, well, <laughs> I'm fucking dead. <laughs> I'm like, well, Thancred's fucking dying. Yeah. I remember so many people complaining about that being such a long and drawn out fight and it was just tedious. I loved it. I, th- I think so. Yeah, I thought it was I, amazing. I loved it, but I also thought he was going to die. Like, I <laughs> thought this was like Thancred's last badass big oh, yeah. hurrah. Same, and I then, thought like, we're going to die fine, Ranji. This is going to be yeah, awesome. We're going <laughs> to make Thancred look like a million bucks when he goes down. And mm-hmm. I thought that like, the, I thought that was the whole justification. So I have no qualms with how hard the battle was. I thought it was great. The part that I thought was weird was how there was like, he, the battle ends, Thancred lays on the ground. He gives this beautiful death monologue. We cut to another scene, and then they go through that. And then at the end of the scene, Thancred walks in like oh, hey guys what are we doing yeah. <laughs> and i like, just did not expect him to still be alive yeah yeah i kind of freaked out i kind of freaked out like i definitely they fucking they bait you s- several times in in shadowbringers i feel like with characters dying and it's like did they actually die i don't know anymore my heart can't take it like well, you were supposed to be dead. Now she's in the live stream again. Like, fuck, what's going to happen this time? She came back, but she has her clothes this time. Nice job, Emmett. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. Uh, there, was a, there was a roller coaster of me for that. And Thancred was definitely on the list of, like, characters that when, when I thought it was it, like, I was crying. I mean, they did such a good job because in Final Fantasy XIV, it's weird. We've had this roller coaster of like, can these popular characters be killed, right? After A Realm Reborn, we're like, okay, well, nothing bad really happened. And then uh, at the end of Heaven's Ward, I think it was at the end of Heaven's Ward, we actually start seeing some deaths. Uh, and so we go, yeah. we start to believe. I can't remember if it was at the end of a Heaven's Ward or at the end of Stormblood. I'm trying to remember. I think it was the end of Heaven's Ward. You mean like Scions dying and stuff? Yeah. Uh, I think they're... Well, my memory's going to fail me. Never mind. I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but we start seeing those deaths happen. Uh, and so you, you know it can be done. Square Enix can be like, I am going to kill a character, you know, and we're going to move yeah. forward. Uh, so we always get uh, this whole, uh, I don't know fear that this stuff might actually happen um, yeah and i that's a fear that's made very real like at the end of Endwalker. you know when you start seeing all your friends literally disappear into the dynamis around you you're like what the fuck dude yeah. you know it's it's a fear that they that they definitely you know play on throughout all of Shadowbringers and and i think a lot of Endwalker. but i think mm-hmm. that's good though i think it makes you like more a lot more attached to the characters like when you have characters that you genuinely don't want to see go like that's it's a pretty cool thing i feel like there's a lot of a lot of games where you see characters die and you're like well there he goes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he had his five lines of dialogue or whatever and uh yeah. his little storyline and and uh they just do it in such a meaningful way that like when you do finally lose characters usually mm-hmm. it's pretty impactful and it's it's never cheap it's almost yeah. never cheap 
so yeah. um i mean I, I mean that would be that's kind of like a big part of the whole in walker discussion it's just like everyone was talking about who's gonna die right going into it <laughs> what what people are gonna die in this and there is so many everybody there's so many positions or spots in that story where you're like okay well someone is dead everyone's dead i don't know uh we'll save that one we'll save that one for the next show but yeah that they and really start like getting other characters it. who are like i want to die yeah. and i want to take all of you with me <laughs> yeah. like then you're like, okay, now shit's really getting weird. And then you have a guy that's like, I've never felt so alive except when I almost felt dead. Now yeah. I'm gonna, now I have to find that feeling again. And and he only just finally fucking died. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean that that being said, going on Thancred's story, I mean, I, I like that whole battle because it felt like a struggle. And people who uh, have played Crisis Core, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but they had a battle similar to that, which was like one of my favorite battles uh, in interactions within a game. I mean, it wasn't the best, most perfect game in the world, but that one scene was very familiar towards that scene. Uh, and I did think Thancred was dead. I was like, okay, they did this Same. right. You know, we went through this whole struggle. We felt the struggle and then we lost. That feels appropriate for what's going on in this expansion right now. I, we, well, this is monologue. Yeah. monologue you know he's laying there on the ground giving like last words to minfilia and it's mm -hmm. like oh my god like they're actually gonna kill him they're actually gonna fucking kill him here yeah uh, yeah it definitely it mm -hmm. definitely uh i mean the same thing i i guess honestly after the first time with shola after she went into the live stream when she fell into the pit i was like she's not dead i was like <laughs> she ain't dead <laughs> she i saw her in that end walker cutscene she ain't dead <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. so uh so yeah, there's 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 characters that I think like they they faked you out, but then like you kind of could build the confidence of like now they're not going to kill this character. They've had yeah. too many opportunities. Now it's like if they didn't kill him the second time they fake killed them, they're probably not going to kill them. Yeah, yeah. So um, that being said, we are getting close to the top of the hour. I probably should uh, do that one scheduled uh, or at least this scheduled a uh, little ad break here for a few yeah. minutes, guys uh we'll go to a quick break should be only three four minutes and we'll come right back uh hang tight guys sorry if it ran early for a couple of you guys uh but we're doing a cut over right now do it real awkward give me one second to be super awkward about it here we go all right and we're back thanks everybody for bearing with us through that um it's also good during these shows to have these little breaks. I'm starting to like get used to doing it a little bit, so you can like take a second to like go to the bathroom, get a drink, do something. Uh, I I don't I know. If, chat. I think we did. I did an episode once that was six hours long. Ooh. Uh, and I didn't take a bathroom break. <laughs> it was rough, and that that was just a straight show. I mean, I've done segments of shows. Like I think the longest I did was like a twelve or thir twelve thirteen hour one, but it was one hour each time to have a show, stop for 10, 15 minutes, and just go back and forth. Uh, so it, it's been nice. It's been nice uh, in that regard, at least. It's good. You got to take breaks, just like you, just like you should at work. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how I see it, even if you don't consider it work. Like, you should, you know, got to do it. But it's so, like, you get so intense in these these talks. You're like, oh, man, I don't, no. I just want to keep going. But uh, I did want to bring something up because uh, it's on top of mind. There, one of the episodes we had, one of the things that has been seared into my memory, and we don't have to go super into it because it deals a lot with Endwalker, but you're kind of at a point to where you could probably talk on it. 
um is the thing fan daniel actually oh okay 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 uh i think there's a spot where you said something about being him being dead and done and you're glad of it i can't remember exactly moose do you remember that <laughs> uh, yeah i think so yeah I, when when we were trying not to spoil things for you i was usually like a little mischievous about it like I'd plant a seed here or make uh-huh. a joke there and chat would get it. Um, and then like, I just, I wanted to see if what you would think about it the next episode. Okay. And okay. okay I think this one was, you were, um, you were glad I saw he was dead. Oh yeah. And the most possible I think face. I, I think <laughs> I said something along the lines of, yeah, aren't you glad you never have to see that guy again? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he. I think that's what he said. That's, dude, and then when they reintroduced him, I didn't say it to my stream, but I had this really weird underlying feeling. I was like, that could be a song in there. Yeah, I don't fucking like that. And then when I heard his voice, I was like, fucking him. <laughs> and then when they reintroduced him as Fan Daniel, I was like, oh shit! Like, I can't believe he's back. I want to punch him so fucking bad. <laughs> like, it was. Uh, it was yeah, such a such a great shortcut to get exactly the reaction to fan Daniel. They wanted to just yeah. recycle that old character. We all hated for a hot minute. It's, mm-hmm. It seems so like simple. I feel like in hindsight, but so like fucking smart at the same time, you know, yeah. like I, I just, I guess that's why these people do what they do. But yeah, I loved what they did with him and fan Daniel actually ended up being like one of my favorite, uh, Asians. And then Hermes, one of my, of course, one of my favorite ancients. So, yeah. uh, and they did, they did, they somehow did, they somehow managed that. So, yeah, I, how they put all this stuff together is like insane to me sometimes. Uh, it, it just it was one of those things that reminded me that we don't have to do that anymore. But I do kind of miss being able to have those little moments like Moose <laughs> saying that one little sure. line. <laughs> yeah. Just like somehow holding it together and it all worked out. Uh, I, lo- but- I love doing it to my brother because I, I, I very much delight and relish in the giving you little nuggets and you have no idea that I'm doing it type thing. Mm-hmm. I love doing that. Uh, so I, I definitely have a, a sincere appreciation for where Moose is coming from when he does that. It's it's yeah. so much fun. Oh. Uh, and I loved passing that on to my brother, you know, talking about, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, when, when he arrived in Ultima Thule, I made a comment to him about how, you know, something about like, what would you do? Like, what would you be willing to sacrifice just to breathe? You know, like, and, and he's like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, nothing, <laughs> like, nothing. <laughs> and uh, so I, I love it, dude. I, I love it. That's cool that you guys like remember that and like mm-hmm. can, can can recall back to that. I, I wouldn't have even. Yeah, I mean, I'm awesome. going to, you know, just reflecting on our previous episodes. That was definitely one of the most stressful things about bringing you on. It's just I, I wanted to talk about it. You were excited to talk about the story. It was so much that I just wanted to capture with that. But we also yeah. had to be so conscious of not ruining things for you and making it like. And I, I have to applaud Moose for just like like me. I'm kind of stupid, <laughs> right? So if, when it comes to the story, it's there's a lot true. I'm missing. I, you know, I'm not like I'm not gonna like be able to ruin stuff as much and then i can be very careful and uh moose i don't know how he was able to like piece his words in the right way to not throw you in a direction that would ruin the story for you in the future uh so yeah uh, small sample size 
You kept me on long enough. I would have. I would have screwed that one up. You give it. You give anyone long enough, they'll probably. Yeah, but he. Yeah. I. It was. Uh. It was. It was. It was. It was fun to to listen to as well because you could hear. I mean, you sl- you slow down when you speak. You know, like you you could you could hear you thinking about exactly how you wanted to say it before you said it, and it was processing uh, buffering. Yeah, yeah. You know, like how how do I, I? You know, I do the same thing with him, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's super fun. Yeah. All right. But, well, but if I could say, if I yeah. could say, no, I mean, good job on on not spoiling anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad uh, we didn't. I, I was really worried that there was going to be like one time that I just like, oh, yeah, because the underpinning of this turned out to be and you're going to be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's <Yeah. who? laughs> so yeah. matter of fact. In, uh, in chat, you know, chat did great as well. I mean, it's not like I had all the, the, the chats closed during it every time and. Mm-hmm. Um, the mods did amazing too. Like, a, as an aside, like my mods did an incredible job, not letting me get spoiled. Like, I, I got all the way to the end of of Endwalker and didn't know that Aglaia was a, was going to be a thing. I didn't had no idea. And they were like, "By the way, the Alliance raid is the twelve. And I'm like, "What? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? You know, that was probably. I love pan- got pantheons of gods. Like it's it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things. And so, for us to, I mean, one of my biggest requests going in was like, we got to get the twelve. And so for us to eventually get them was really cool. But the fact that they were able to keep that hidden the whole time was pretty mm-hmm. amazing. And I have to say, like, some people will ask in my stream if there's like other if there's like other games where people are kind of like like this. And I would say, problem like not really like. From what I've seen anyway, and that's not that much, mm-hmm. uh, I've never seen a community that treats spoilers like like they do here um, yeah. and protecting people from it. Uh, and not you don't have to be a mod or anything, like just people just mm-hmm. do it. That reminds so. me of like when I would play games. Like uh, I remember I played Undertale on stream for the first time. And there's so many people who are just so passionate about that game and they'll just start talking and saying, oh, I can't wait till you get to this character and this and that. It was like this whole experience of like the fandom going in the other direction and oversharing because they're all just so obsessed with seeing you get to that point. Yeah. And they they don't actually think, hey, what I'm saying is actually going to be might ruin the experience in some way. But the Final Fantasy 14 people are like, yeah, no, we silence and smiles is all we can we can smiles do. dude that's the best possible thing because yeah. yeah you're totally right like sometimes like yeah sometimes the excitement and in, in the in the enthusiasm for it will lead you to ruin it for someone and then it kind of sucks for you as as a viewer because then it kind of ruins that experience too and you're like well shit and then then you, then you feel bad no one sh- you know don't feel bad obviously but don't spoil either but obviously yeah. this community is just exceptional when it comes to that and i mean i think I think like streamers and other content creators like you guys have an influence on that too, right? Like when, when they see people that they admire uh, or that they really love watching or listening to, like people will let people listen to that. And so I think that it's really cool that a lot of the community uh, creators also lead by example in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, that's something that <laughs> I want to be very careful of going forward as well as like, how do I put out my content in a way that's not going to be just like huge spoilers right because what i do is try to figure out the spoilers so uh 
So yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Go ahead and yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious if it filters down like right from the top because like first off, this is an MMO. We're not all playing it in a vacuum, so there's a lot more yeah. social interaction to begin with. You have a lot more touchstones for what people consider a spoiler. You know, like usually there's that debate of what even is really a spoiler for this particular medium. But like in in an MMO, we have an opportunity to share our beliefs about what those are. But like from the very top. We've had uh, Yoshida all along saying that like it's very important to him that people respect other players and what they know and what they don't know and to kind of respect the intended experience. And I know that a lot of the content creators are following all those interviews and listening to what he says and resonating with what he says as both gamers and content creators. So I feel like it's just like this this trickle down effect of of his values through the fan base. That's super. That's super cool. I think that we've seen. I mean, you could probably speak to his values trickling down on on multiple levels. I think that's really right. awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that that definitely makes sense, especially from like a content creator perspective of like when when there's hundreds of people or in some cases thousands of people watching, and it's like I don't want anyone here to ruin my experience either. The fact that that is carried straight down is a, is literally amazing for people that stream the game because I mean that's why you get reactions out of people like me because you're able to have such an organic uh, response to it. Uh, and that's like, I mean, as a content creator, like I, I could not be more thankful for that because the, the total experience of the game is, is predicated by how much you know. And, uh, yep. and if you know too much, it definitely I, it would suck. The, the dev team has put so much work into this game that that's always the first thing I think of is like my experience, being able to experience it as they intended. That was such a powerful experience for me. I don't want it to be different for anyone else. I want everyone to have that moment that they work so hard for because I enjoyed it so much. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's super cool, dude. That's so awesome. <laughs> just saw something in chat that made me laugh from a recipe born. We're all tempered by the producer. I mean, it kind of is true in a sense. Like, if you've been playing for Final Fantasy XIV, Yoshida is like a god. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, in my experience with him and everyone else, I mean, he's he's still human. He's not, like, perfect, but he is really good. <laughs> he's He does a pretty good job overall. And the times I've got to meet him, like, in non-media recorded, just casual conversation, uh, you know, situations, he's been great every time. I mean, I know some of that's just like, hey, I'm talking to a content creator and this is how I need to be. Uh, but I have been able to see him a little bit behind stage and see everything. And he's a great guy. Um, so awesome. I... I <laughs> I, there's a reason why it's not like being tempered by like some evil primal it's like being tempered by <laughs> someone you're you should be tempered by i guess if you know you guys are worried like about being that. tempered by vana yeah yeah like by vana yeah. <laughs> so uh i have i have the same i have <laughs> the same reaction to being tempered by yoshi p as as emmet selk has being tempered by zodiac just well if you gotta be tempered might as well be by the one true god <laughs> I gotta do it. Well, rather yeah. have this on the resume. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, going to the Shadowbringers and going a little bit more into some of those storylines too. I mean, we talked a little bit about the some of the twins' experience, not deep into it, but we also talked about the Ancrits. What we haven't really touched too much on was Guranje and uh, uh, Yishtola, which they had kind of two different little uh, situations. Uh, Thancrit got attached to Fairyland, right? Uh, Rion J, yeah, he's he had to spend a little a little time there. It sounded like, and 
I, my experience with that place was like, man, this is bright, cuddly, but didn't you find out that these guys just like turn people into bushes, right? And they just I basically mean, kill them? Bright and scary. Yeah. As soon as I, as soon as we got there, I was like, we're fucked. Like <laughs> I saw the mist around us and I was like, we are, we are in their territory now. And, uh, yeah, at, at their mercy, because I, I coming from coming, I mean, it's Faye. <laughs> Faye are, are fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was, I was very much, uh, uh, immersed in that <laughs> as soon as we landed. Yeah, it was pretty intense going through that, and um, I I remember I, I don't know what I was what I was expecting or thinking. Uh, this was I think one of the zones that we were allowed to go to at the media tour when they did it. Uh, and I think I remember just kind of sitting and hanging out there, flying around and looking at the the castle, looking at like <laughs> the little island that turned out to be Bismarck later, right? Uh, the yep. giant whale and i kept trying to go there in the the media but i was like can i get over to that little area and it wouldn't let you but uh it, it definitely the, stood the out biggest fay that we saw the whole damn time we were there yeah <laughs> uh but Great i mean boy. what do you how do you feel about that whole interaction that storyline because i mean it was a little separate storyline they had their uh was it king is that right it was uh, you mean what's what's the name of the the main Titania? fake guy? Yeah, Twitania. Yeah, uh, Titania in this Titania. case. <laughs> yeah, um, and that that was a whole whole thing. Did you did you, it felt different, right? Shadowbringers, you get yeah. in there, it's like dark, it's kind of gloomy, and then you go into this kind of bright, different kind of experience, but it still fit the theme in a way. Like whimsical, but still creepy as fuck, you know, which is like perfect for Faye. Like that's, yeah, I mean, that's bread and butter there. And, but I definitely think for like Uriandre's storyline, it was like a different pace too. You know, it was mm-hmm. like not, I can't, maybe I just can't quite remember as much from his storyline. Cause uh, he was all, he was ill Meg, right? He was, he's the one that spent all the time with the Faye. Mm-hmm. Um, he was studying. But, uh, I'm yeah, trying to remember. Like, Moose, do you want to enlighten us and like get the memory jogged again? Do you do you have that story? I mean, my my two whole takeaways from the Orange section were like the um, the brilliant retconning of the elemental wheel and oh, the yeah, fact yeah. that the the fairies thought they were tricking him into being polite to them for making him horrible food, but he had tricked them into making him tea and biscuits. <laughs> like that was probably the two best parts of the zone but yeah no like i i did i saw that sign or i saw that whole zone is like a like almost like a jim henson movie that is for children but scares the shit out of children <laughs> like that's how i that's how i saw it they did a really good vibe on making it like childlike but not mm-hmm. yeah yeah and there's something that i think just to a certain degree can be a like inherently creepy about things that are childlike too yeah. You know, just with how we've portrayed them before. Chucky. And yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. And the, that, yeah, I forgot that the ethereal wheel thing does happen there. Yeah. That's probably like the, the, probably the biggest like split the cosmos, cosmology wide open type of thing ever. And it took me a, m- a little bit to grasp exactly how that worked. But once I understood it, that was like, this is kind of what I wanted from wow the whole time. <laughs> So can you would you guys mind diving into that a little bit? Because I, I feel clueless, at least on that topic. 
Yeah, sure. So, do you want to explain Moose, or, or should I? Uh, uh. <laughs> I'll explain. So basically, <laughs> basically, we have the ethereal wheel, the elements oh. right there, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, you've got uh, six elements, right? Yeah. You got fire, air, water, earth, uh, ice, and, and leaven. And mm -hmm. then you have polarities for these elements, essentially. These, these polarities are typically referred to as astral or umbral. So back in the source, the way that we, uh, the way that we like interpreted this wheel, the way that we looked at it, was that we thought that certain elements were more, uh, well, and this is true, certain elements are more astrally aligned and certain elements are more umbrally aligned. But we misassociated what astral and umbral means in regards to like light and darkness. And so we had this, this idea that during, uh, during astral eras, uh, there's, you know, it's time of like great prosperity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, or, right, right, I have that right. And then in umbral eras, it's times of like, where things have like slowed down, there's not as much progress, there's bad things happening, right? So basically, essentially what we figured out was that the way that light and darkness affect and, and interact with these elements is not quite exactly how we understood. So we were under the impression that darkness was responsible for what you would consider like stasis, right? Like the lack of progress, right? Like stifling things down and, 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 and halting movement. And that light was responsible for like progress uh, and change. But we mm -hmm. found out in the, in the first that that was very much not the case. And that darkness was actually more associated with change and uh, and, and progress and light and, and thereby astral and light is is more associated with the umbral, which is quite opposite to what we believed, and that's more associated with stasis and and things not working like we like we thought that they did. So it's it's really like a huge moment of revelation where everyone is kind of going like holy fuck, like at a, at a fundamental physical level, the way that we understand the, the workings of the universe are not correct. Uh, and that's just like, I don't mm -hmm. know if you can get a grander revelation than that in a lot of, in a lot of settings. So mm -hmm. that was probably over-explained or poorly explained in some areas, but I no, think we got there. No, not at all. No, actually, I, I, um, I wanted to hear your take on it first. Um, because my take on it as someone who's been playing since the beginning and has seen all of the retcons was like, oh man, this is a brilliant series of retcons, but that's not how you're going to see it as someone who is like a deep story enjoyer. Who's just digging <laughs> into this storyline for the first time all in one go, like beginning right. to end. Right. So it's a little different. <laughs> This is going to feel like a big in-world moment, where to me it felt like a big out-of-world moment. So I wanted to hear you explain it first, because like that's what I think these shows are about, the perspective of someone who like is very, very experienced in tearing apart not this game, experiencing this for the first time and making meaning of it in a different way than I ever would. Um, so like when I saw this, I saw this as just like a brilliant pile of retcons because yeah. original, like it, in 1.0, light and darkness weren't even things. They weren't part of this game. Yeah, uh, they they tried to reinvent the wheel almost like not to make too much of an elemental wheel pun. Out of it, <laughs> I was going to say, when you were talking about the, the literal wheel. wheel? <laughs> like... um, so there was like it was like Aristotle meets Chinese alchemy, like it. 
Mm. It was, you had all the six elements, but then everything, all six elements, all of nature, the wheel itself, everything had an astral and umbral kind of bent to it. Oh, wow. And when A Realm Reborn came out, they added light and darkness to it. And we were like, well, what the, what? So, (laughs) yeah, like you were saying, originally they had this philosophy behind it that light was associated with growth and energy and good things. And so anytime you were using like astral magics or something like that, it would pop up as white. And anytime you were using umbral umbral magics, it would pop up as shadow because that was the thing that slows things down and adds entropy. And, you know, like that was what we knew for so long. But darkness, the clarity from like clarification during an interview where Koji was like, they're not the same. Uh, Light and darkness are these primordial energies that aren't even on the same spectrum as the elements. Yeah. But because that was the only information we had, as we started coming towards Shadowbringers, I got very nervous because you can't have a light calamity. It's not an element. Right. And that and that is why Uriange's PowerPoint is so brilliant. Um, because they had already revealed that these are primordial energies. They had already revealed they're not elemental energies. And they had already revealed that the seventh umbral era was astral. So they needed to invert it if they wanted a light calamity, but didn't want two astral calamities in a row. Right. So to reveal that that just like in kind of the Japanese worldview, darkness is the energetic chaos of everything, and that's what really pulls things to the astral pole. It's brilliant to have an um calamity that producing too much light all the elements on the wheel at once towards the umbral pole in a tr- in a way that you could have a calamity and it was like just, everyone got what they wanted yeah like, and, it, and it was like one of the most terrifying th- sounding things yeah like like way worse than any other calamity like mm-hmm. we're gonna basically freeze everything ever mm-hmm. <laughs> enjoy it and how they use black rose dude like tying the garlians in with that and how they use like emmet silk to like yes. to pull it all in was fucking crazy i really love that like once i understood how they were using the effects of Black Rose and like how it was going to tangentially link to the first. I was like, this is, this is fucking metal. Like this is a little bit of a different level. I feel like from what the Asians have tried before. Yeah. It, it was just like, they did, they didn't ruin setting. They got the light calamity they wanted. It was just everyone achieved their goal by working together on this. And I don't think a lot of people even understood why Uriange's PowerPoint was necessary. But at the same time, I thought it was just, it was brilliant. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to get that in the game is fucking amazing because you just don't get that in the game in a lot, in, in other games, right? Like, wow, like you wouldn't get that type of in-depth explanation ever in, in that game. It just doesn't occur. Uh, and so uh, I think that's it's especially cool for that, that it's kind of also unique, in my opinion, to this game and how it was delivered. And from a character that logistically it makes sense for them to be the one giving it to you in that way. And like, I don't know, just I think, again, it ties back into like fantastic game design of like how they were able to use time manipulation and his his own personal research and all these different things to like have it make sense. And mm-hmm. even as a new even as like a new player, it, it it made sense after a little bit. I honestly would say I struggled harder with like the, the warrior of light uh, blessing of light shit later on. <laughs> uh, more than I did with the elements, uh, mm. which yeah, 
No, you. I, I, the way the way you explained it was actually probably better than some people I know who've played the game for a really long time still Thanks. struggling <laughs> with the inversion. So no, yeah. you've you've got it. And I think I, when you're describing the blessing of light thing, I think that was a very late game shift in how it works. I think yeah. they they were trying to. I do consider that one to be a bit of a back end retcon a little bit. So I think it's natural to struggle with that one. Yeah. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about that in the Endwalker era. <laughs> Endwalker okay, is yeah, going to yeah, be crazy. Enough. I don't want to ramble too much about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just can I can I just can I just clarify mm -hmm. one thing real quick? So so just this little smidgen. So she was always calling. The sound was always there. It was just about whether or not the ability to hear it had been awakened within someone. It was like an answering machine. <laughs> That's how, like the way Linovis described it. It was like an answering machine. <laughs> okay. Okay. That works for me. You know what? That's good enough. All right. That All works. Right. Okay. Uh, so uh, going past that too, we have Yishtola's story, uh, which is this, this is when she like officially was like blind, blind, but only could see Aether at this point, right? Or did that happen a little bit beforehand? I can't. Answer, answering machine. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. You can just. <laughs> so I missed that one. No. Anyway, you were saying, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. I just, I just got that. <laughs> It's okay. I was just going to talk about Ishtola. Ishtola now. Oh, please. Yeah. yeah she's one of my favorites, dude. Uh, I mean, she, I guess, yeah, maybe she was blind since Heaven's Ward, but I mean, I don't think it was like, maybe they were clear on it. It's just, it all got kind of mixed up with all this history kind of going together. Uh, but I mean, she's, sees Aether. Right, and so her her whole perception is that she sees your Aether, and if it, your Aether doesn't look right, she'll know something is off. Um, and so she's in the world, and she becomes this whole. Uh, what's the word for it? Why am I blanking on it? Uh, like a. What's the I, word? I want to say savant. Yes, my Matolia. Not the right word. Matolia is. Oh, oh, like a moniker. Yeah, but the yeah the name she assumes that, that identity. him alias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she becomes that right uh, into this world. It, was it because she chose to do it or because other people started to consider her that way? I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to remember. She went by that. She just, she just called herself that. She just like she said, chose yeah, that, I'm me. pretty sure, right? Yeah. Yep. Alias. It doesn't... And then when she gets called out on it, it's so fucking funny. Dude. I love <laughs> that. That's one of my favorite scenes when they're like, oh, Matoya, huh? <laughs> so why did she do that again? Go ahead, Moose. I... I don't remember if it was ever explicitly said, but I know that like if I were to pontificate on it, I guess. Um, <laughs> I think that Yashtola doesn't know what to do when she doesn't have a script to follow. I think that she's actually like very socially awkward and is using decorum a lot of the time. And I think you can see it in the game where like there's something emotional that's happening and someone needs support and she's not there when it's all words and emotions that are like when Lise for she was Lise everyone yeah, we knew we're proud of you Shola just kind of pulled back to the tree line but if you walked around and talked to everyone she wouldn't leave she stayed there and watched Lise and I feel that like Ishtola has never really known what to do when those moments are happening 
And I think she was in a place where um, all the naming conventions were different and she well, felt vulnerable and she was just like, yeah, I'm Matoya. The Night's <laughs> Watch also doesn't, they don't use their real names. So that uh, was a great, yeah, was that's saying. right. I forgot about that entirely, but apparently they don't speak their real name under, under the light. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude, mm. my, my, um, that was like, my Shadowbringers deep lore is <laughs> suffering because I was in grad school for that whole era. Oh. I was just in tears for that whole era. So I, just, <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, yeah. so I actually totally forgot that. I've, I, I, I've been over each of those things one time to like archive it. But yeah, no, you're right. There was like Chat a whole lore reason forget. why she had to use an alias. No. <laughs> I was joking. I was joking about this while we were on on the break there. But like there is so much in this game that like the amount that I've encoded directly into the brain meat versus what's like archived on my hard drive that I can search for easily when I need mm -hmm. it. Like it's very random and sporadic, which is which, but it's like that for everyone. Yeah. But there's like a whole bunch of people watching. So someone has always <laughs> encoded the thing I'm lacking. So it feels like me versus uh, an entire crowd. Yeah. <laughs> The relatable mind. feeling when I do like theory crafting on, live on stream, that's a very relatable feeling. It, it can sometimes be a little overwhelming. Yeah. 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 But uh Good catch. Good catch. Yes, there was a direct there was a direct lore thing that let her do that. I would I would also like I would throw out there like as far as I, I don't know if it ever was like you said elaborated on, but as far as why she chose Matoya, you you might also think just I mean, it's not like Matoya was like super nice or anything, but she was kind of like the kind of like mother to Stola, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that there's got to be a deep mutual respect that exists there, whether it doesn't actually come to the surface or not, mm -hmm. you know, always, always. So, you know, I think she yeah. probably and she it probably also kind of reminded her of home a little bit, you know, and kind of taking comfort in some someone that she was so familiar with that. You know, maybe she would seek guidance in this type of situation from and Ex so exactly living I think, as that person. I mm -hmm. think that that in that moment, like this is one of the times that she's realizing that like for all the years she spent considering her kind of like a curmudgeonly old pain in the ass. She's actually like one of the strongest and most caring people that she knows. And she's more like her than she wants to admit. Yeah. So I mm -hmm. think like if you if if you need a new name and it just kind of slips out oh matoya there's that like subtle underlying assumption that she's strong and she would know what to do here and i feel a little better having that with me i totally agree i totally agree and i think that that fits super well with yashtola's like kind of reserved nature in general as you were elaborating on before like she she's a, a, one of those characters that more by her own more by her own volition i feel like is is more reserved and uh it's really the subtle things like like that that I feel like kind of spill out some of the, mm -hmm. the deeper emotional truths of, of her character. Yeah. Um, and as far as sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna well, I was gonna say as far as her blind thing goes, she went in the fucking she went in the live stream. Okay, she came out. She had she had lost her normal sight. Okay, ready for mm -hmm. this. But in order for her to to utilize this ether sight, it does sap away at her. If I'm not mistaken, right. Is that that's she's going to like die at some point is what we think, right? She's, she basically has some sort of sickness this that will is, kill her, right? This is something that comes up in the the fan community a lot because Matoya said something that could be interpreted multiple ways. 
And what is the correct interpretation is something that everyone's been arguing over for a bit. So yeah, Yashola can't see at all um, in the traditional sense. Like her eyes are not responding to photo light. So she's reaching out and touching and sensing the ether using a different form of energy. And which one it is is kind of unclear depending on which language you read. I I thought it was um, anima, but we'll see. Um, but Matoya warns her that using that life energy to see is going to have a cost. And right. she and Which, it, does she it's leave that very, pretty ambiguous? Yeah. So there's there's two primary ways that I see it interpreted in the fan base. The first is that she's using a finite resource she never gets back. She's eating her soul to see she's doomed. She's dead, right? Yeah. And there's another side of it that I've, I think, starting to fall on uh, more confidently each person, is what she's really saying is, like, much like it used to require using your life force to teleport, mm-hmm. that was the lore for it. And it mm-hmm. still does, but, I mean, like, the lore doesn't come up as much anymore because we just pay with Gil now. Um, <laughs> But That's like what our soul's made out of anyway. Te- teleporting requires using your life energy. So I think what Motoya might have been saying is, you are carrying on like normal. You are not recognizing your new limits. You are not admitting this burden to your friends. You are living the same life you were living before with a 50-pound weight on your back, and you are telling no one, and it's reckless. And yeah. that's what I think. I'm starting to think that's closer to what she was saying, because like... There aren't many life energies in this game that you can't get back. Like there's, you know, your your MP pool, which you can get by just chugging an elixir or having a good meal if you want. And then there's anima, which you need to rest and wait and take good care of yourself. But it does come back. So I, I think there's still a very open debate on whether it's like that brick's going to fall and die because she's burning through something can't get back. Or she's just being reckless, admitting she's draining more you know yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take go ahead i know i was just gonna say it's kind of like the sun exploding i think to be honest with you from my point of view is that you know we're not going to be alive when it actually happens because if they kill yashtola they're going to lose so many people that play this <laughs> game because <laughs> there's such a huge even people who aren't into the story they're into yashtola uh, that's what i said about sylvanas too and they didn't kill her off did they they fucking got there <sighs> yeah they didn't do it they made it seem like they were gonna, but they didn't do it. <laughs> you can't kill off one of your big money makers. You just can't do it. No. That's why Thrall's not dead. That's why you know, that's why none of them motherfuckers is dead. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. So I can see the spite from the World of Warcraft lore coming back to you. Oh, no, 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 no. There's <laughs> not there's really not a lot of spite. It's just it's true. It's just true. Like they just yeah. You don't kill big ticket characters ever because I mean, I mean, it's a lot of people don't do that except oh. game, well, game of Thrones. They kill everyone. But well, uh, they kind of stopped. Anyways. Yeah, no, that's a whole nerd. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I think uh, it was interesting to see her story because they did give a death scare for that one. But it was such a light one. It was such a light. When she falls scare. in the pit. Yeah. You know, when she jumps in the pit. Yeah. Sacrifices yeah. herself. I'm like, she ain't dead. And then yeah. I didn't even notice it. But, uh, you know, you go back and you watch the clip when, like, the gust of air comes up from the fucking hole that she falls in. And, and it didn't even cross my mind what that might have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, her tapping into the, the live stream in order to teleport. And because yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what happened the first time, too. Uh, but Chad was like, hey, you didn't even notice it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> you know, it's, it's 
I'm I'm too worried about the fact that she's not not worried, but like focused on the fact that she's not going to die to mm, notice yeah. that how she actually survives. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like her. It was kind of interesting to see through her story too. Like she, her, her main purpose throughout that was to go and invis- investigate like ancient. Uh, what was it? Was it with the Asians that she was like ancient? Doing- Ancient Ronkin stuff. Wasn't yeah, the Ronkin. In the Rakatika Greatwood. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. God, it's so hard to remember exactly where that society played into everything. Uh, I got, I got two things. Okay. First, I want to, well, one, I just want to say sorry if I'm like going up and down. My connection is being affected by some kind of weather thing. Mm, um, okay. That's good. First off, I got, I got your quote for the names. <laughs> uh, okay. I I ran a search through all the the transcripts I saved just so I could get it for you. Um the the lights blessed protect all that they can from from the taint of like uttering things in the light. Uh, right. So mm-hmm. you can never utter utter a name in the light of the in, uh, of everlasting day. So you just never get to use the light anymore. Um but you can use another's name. So they, you know, uh, ancestors protect their children by them taking up those names. And in oh. rare cases, in rare cases, disciples, their masters. There it is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. That's number one. That was number, number one. I forgot. What were you guys talking about? <laughs> we were, talking about <laughs> we were just about to start Ronka. talking about Ronka. Yeah, Ronka. Ronka. Okay, why And Roktika and the V's. And uh, their um, their warrior of light le- leader that they had mm-hmm. wasn't. I mean, that was the assumption I made. Was that I think I think they actually ended up saying that later on that their their former their empress or whoever wasn't she wasn't she like a warrior of light yeah, or something? Like to like ex- explore the tomb with that cool mini game with the cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiuna. Uh, yeah, I really like the Ronkin stuff. And yeah, as NS, as someone said in chat, uh. Mm-hmm. uh we were talking earlier about how the Ronkins were like, as soon as, as soon as I walked in there, I was like, Oh shit, dude. Like, this is very like, like, uh, phase one Alagon type stuff, you know? Uh, And, uh, uh, Moose made a, uh, what what was it that you said about how, what it could have possibly have been? Oh, I, again, another like half serious joke and conspiracy theory, but I, I like to see, um, I like to see Ronka as like the plan for what Alog was going to be before Yoshida came in and they had to become like sci-fi spacefaring. Like, very, <laughs> you know, um, my favorite kind of magic stone and light magic. That's mm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their, their architecture was, was awesome. I love the puzzles there. Actually, it was like, I think I, I kind of like blew my chat's mind a little bit because there's like a puzzle there where you have to like pick the right animal. And I just immediately knew which animal it was. And they're like, how did you know that? I'm like, because it's all over their architecture. <laughs> like it's everywhere. <laughs> so if they give me the chance and then, you know, there's like little quotes for it, but it was, it was just cool to feel like you really were going back and like solving a little like mystery in like a faraway land that, that mm-hmm. somehow kind of showed you a potential, you know, like earlier concept of what alec could have or what could have been like type of thing and mm-hmm. i think that was just what what was the coolest thing for me was really seeing like what felt like a really one-to-one uh like this is this world's version of this and then that's before mm-hmm. i realized what the map that i was walking around on was and the places that i was visiting obviously but mm-hmm. uh, 
yeah, I really like the Ronkin, uh, the Ronkin section. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I mean, it, yeah, like Chad was saying, it's kind of like an Indiana Jones kind of feeling almost going in there and tomb raiding a little bit. Yeah. Uh, don't you run from a boulder? <laughs> like, I think. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I think you might. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they also threw in like one of the most memorable storyline side stories in the entire game with a, was a warm uh the scree side story thing oh yeah the ronkins the great ronkin serpent yeah they yeah, did such a, <laughs> they did such a great job um pacing kind of the darkness and the silliness and the hope like they've done really like, one thing that they've done is a really great job pacing mm-hmm. totally agree and i would say definitely even continuing into, into Endwalker, like how they've fit in uh like the arcasadara tribes like such a great time to like expand in Thavnair and like bring more life to an area that already is so wonderful. But we have that's a different show. Oh, I remember <laughs> what I was. I remembered what I was gonna say. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. like wait. I felt like the deaths, um, the the killing of characters took kind of a downturn in the Ishikawa era, and that's not necessarily a complaint or a compliment. It's just kind of an observation that like, she seems much more deliberate about who to kill and bring back when, um, and that she seems nervous about wasting resources. So I haven't been afraid for many people's lives in a while. And Yishtola was one of them. So like when she went into the live stream, I was very curious what the whole point of that was. Like, is it just a shallow, you know, death flag to make you nervous again? And then cynically, in retrospect, it seems like they just needed something in the plot so you could see Emmett Selk do a good deed. That, I think <laughs> that's super true. Yeah, like he, and, I mean, he literally even says it to you. He's like, what do I have to do? Like, I saved her life. I pulled her yeah. out of the live stream. Like, I don't know how else to make you trust me. Like, what more benevolence can I show? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Emmett Selk, so, I mean, like, How'd you feel like it, it felt like we we're just being yanked out of the, the world where we went into this a whole nother part of the story that I wasn't expecting to me when you see this giant city that he created underwater uh, and then you start going into like really deep Asian lore and everything. Um, it's just I there was literally no way for me to guess that. I, I don't know if anyone else had some like, oh, I knew this was coming at some point in the story, but that okay, all right, Pyro. I, for- I did guess that we, that it was down there and that we were gonna go there. And then thank goodness I actually guessed it because when I got into the fucking area, I got a fog glitch and you could see the entire skyline. I could see the entire fucking city from the where you first walk in. Nice. And I'm just like, oh, there's Amarad. It's over there. And chat's just freaking out. And I'm like, what? What? You're like, you're not supposed to see that. You're not supposed to see that yet. I'm like, oh, the city? <laughs> I was like, I fucking figured it was down here. But awesome. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. And then I got, yeah. So that was. But like, yeah, I think like if, if you think about like Preach, have you seen Preach's reaction to it? I haven't yet. Oh, it's so good because he's like really into Bioshock. And I, oh. I, I felt the very same thing as soon as I walked in. I was like, it's fucking Rapture. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. Art Deco, uh, baby. Yeah, it's so, it's so cool. Uh, and um, his reaction was awesome. So to that's that's probably like one of the most memorable sections of any video game that I've ever played. Yeah. Uh, Amarat is a pretty magical, pretty magical piece of work, dude. Yeah, I remember uh, when oh, we were man. when that expansion came out, and my wife used to play this game too, right? Uh, and so I, uh, she was she was right at Amarat. At some point, she got past me on the story, 
Um, and she, I walked into the room and she's like, you got to get out. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah. you're going to get the fuck spoiled out of you. You need to get out of the room. And so I deleted everything I saw in my head when I went in there and went back to <laughs> playing. Uh, and it was still, it was still really good uh, to see it, even though I had a little bit of a glimpse of it because the music was good. The atmosphere was good. Just the oddness of seeing tall, like nondescript sort of, I guess, uh, characters. It, it was really amazing to go through that. Uh, it felt different than what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting to see a giant city, uh, but it was such a delightful, like, I had to keep going. As soon as I got to that point, I was like, I got to keep figuring out what's happening down here. Um, and you learn so much about this character that's been following you around this entire time. And you're like, fuck off, Emmett. Like, I don't know. Maybe that was just me. <laughs> it's just, I was like, why are you? I don't care. I know you could be here. It's like this creepy big brother thing. Like, he's always possibly there. And he shows up and, and does stuff. And uh, It grew on me. It grew on me, I think. There's like a certain charm to it of like, this fucking guy. He really can come and go as he pleases whenever he wants. So I think it just like, for me, it kind of built on like he really must have a reason that he's here like this is the fact that he's he's willing to follow us around and actually interact with us is speaks a lot about how important whatever it is that he's doing really is to him and obviously as you progress and you learn more about you know his tempering and everything um you know you still see that kind of psychopathic tendencies that are brought because of this that whole zodiac shit but uh but yeah, they they just I've never had a villain like walk among me and become like be so simultaneously kind of like annoying and and snarky, but also so fucking interesting and like mysterious and like I wish you would just fucking tell me what you're ta- what you're talking about mm-hmm. because I know that you know some shit. Uh, mm-hmm. And I th- I think obviously how you get to interact with the Asians, especially the unsundered Asians, prior to all of this is like. It's just so different. La Habrea was, you know, the the mustache twirling uh, Asian, at least for now, dude. Pa- oh my God, listen, Frosty, Pandemonium. Ah, Pandemonium's gonna get fucking crazy, dude. They're making yeah. some crazy references in the patch art and shit to like Hephaestus and to like Odin and Loki and like, oh, oh it's man. gonna be really cool, dude. It's gonna be really cool. But, uh, and then you have Elidibus and all that. So I think mm-hmm. just getting getting to like actually know an Asian is really just what, I think takes it to a different level of like you almost never get this type of insight on your enemies because because enemies are so easy to just make bloodthirsty psychopaths that you don't get this type of like interesting like insightful true motivation behind why they're really doing all this stuff and I think as you start to recognize that Emmett might have actually felt some pain and and had to deal with some pretty terrible things like you start to you start to kind of I felt anyway that I, I I started to like see him as less of a villain and more of like just a really unfortunate soul, you know, mm-hmm. someone who 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 definitely made some bad decisions. Don't get me wrong, but by the time he had been, by the time that this zodiac summoning had happened and they had all been tempered, like it was it was too late. You know, there's once that happens, like what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, tr- I try to see it almost, and I'll, I'm ranting at this point, but I try to see it almost kind of like I saw Sylvanas in, in WoW, and they didn't do it nearly as well with Sylvanas. I would have went at it with a different angle, but of like 
there was a pretty terrible thing that happened to me and that's not an excuse, but it certainly has a lot to do with why I am the way that I am. Mm-hmm. And I think Emmett's situation and the trauma born from that, like really spoke to a lot of players and like seeing that within him really was something benevolent that just, uh, unfortunately got a little bit out of hand because they didn't really understand what they were getting themselves into. Okay. No, and, and, go ahead. Emmett, Emmett Selk took me on a ride. Um, <laughs> like I was all over the map with him throughout Shadowbringers. Like when he was first introduced, I, as usual, when it comes to retcon had knee jerk salty, just salty, 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 because, um, for a while, there were only two originals and you've got to go make sense of what Nabriales said. And what do you mean there? You know, like which ones are uh, from this world and not like it felt like they had shifted something around just to avoid having to bring back La Habrea because they'd already brought back everybody else. <laughs> um, so like then you had the fact that Garlemald was like this human political gray in a story about like cosmic light and darkness and then they were just yeah. like oh no just just kidding it's all emmett selk's clockwork toy chest and i was like no he micromanaged the whole thing so like i was very salty at first um but he was hanging out with elitibus and elitibus trusted mm-hmm. him implicitly and i never trusted elitibus i called him a snake from day one every time someone mentioned him i hated that guy so, like, the fact that Emmett Selk was teaming up with him said to me that there's only so much trust I can extend to him. Um, yeah. And so when he comes and he wants to join our team, I'm thinking, well, of course he does. Like, every time they've made a plan, we've messed it up. Mm-hmm. So he's coming to the other side so that he has a very close eye on what we're doing. And he can adjust his plan as he needs to, so we don't mess it up. Now, instead of instead of us intervening on the plan, we become part of the plan. We become part of the plan, right? Yep. So, like, I I I saw him as keeping an open door for us, really deciding. You know what? I do. I want to be beautiful and powerful and immortal. Screw the other shards. I want to be. You know, I think he left the door open for us to choose that. Uh, but I saw him as just machinations within machinations and i turned out to be wrong on part of that because yoshida walked us through some of it in one of the interviews and while the bar was very very high impossibly high emmett selk did want to be proven wrong he did want to reevaluate humanity but between his tempering and the fact that we weren't really a zem it just couldn't happen we couldn't circumvent it and for us to not be a zem truly broke his heart and I was I was wrong to not see that part coming. But I mean, in the end, he really was wheels within wheels within wheels. And I did get the one thing I expected out of him, which was that he was going to lay out his case for what he was doing. It was going to be relatable and tragic and ultimately a very unpersuasive argument for why we should give up and die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I'm not convinced quite yet. So you might have to die on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's so, weird to be able to great. sympathize with someone who wants to destroy everything, right? It, uh, it does feel kind of weird. You're like, I feel like I shouldn't really be feeling kind of bad for you, but I do. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's that. I feel like really makes a a good villain. 
I mean, if it's someone that, you know, you don't have to think that the, what the villain's doing is right, but if you can bridge some type of emotional, you know, gap there, then I think that's, that's what can really help you build really solid, convincing, uh, enjoyable villains like Emmett and a character that will probably be remembered by more people as a friend than a villain, which yeah. is pretty fucking remarkable considering. So, sorry. Uh, no, no, that was it. I was just going to say, like, just to make sure this is my perception and that it makes sense, is that this guy basically, he he dropped this big glass pot or whatever that he loves so much. He's like, man, I just want this thing to go back together. And it's just him constantly trying to put it back together and then having to deal with the fact that something is stopping him from doing it constantly, constantly. And the broken it being broken in shards is worthless to him. He wants to get gold, you know, and meld it together and get it back to its whole state and get back his life, but it's just out of reach and he just can never do it. And so to him, he's, he, I think he mentioned this too. He's not, we're nothing. We, we're, we're, we're not a, a something that matters, right? We, we are broken pieces. He needs to put back together to get rid of us, uh, he, to get rid of us and bring back what was actually there. I, I compare him. Oh, do you want to go first, Pharaoh? It, uh, I can try to make it quick, but you know, <laughs> ramble. I was just going to say, I think, I think may, um, maybe a little bit of that is like a little bit of denial too, though, you know, because there's no, there's no denying Emmett. Emmett saw what he saw towards the end. He knew, you know, with his former relationship with his M, like, I think there's a little bit of, like denial that probably just yeah has to exist in there as far as like even if i see that you're a, a fragment of someone that i once knew like like i don't know that i can uh, that i can, yeah I, I don't know i can word it very well so you can go ahead <laughs> i i like i compared him to the protagonist of a separate video game that's how i see him like emmett Selk is one of my two favorite villains uh, you, who you would be under different circumstances in competition for mutually exclusive resources. That from another perspective, you are the hero of the game. Mm. So like, I want you to think about how many games you've played or movies you've seen or stories you've heard where the proper timeline has been broken and you're the only one who really knows and you're the one who has to set things right. And it gives you the opportunity to travel through different times and see different things. And there's like an alternative history. But in the end, the goal is to get back to the right timeline, to put things back on their proper course. How many times have you ever thought when you were the hero of that story, what about the people who are thriving under these conditions? What about all of the people who are living full, wonderful lives that they don't want to lose in this world that you're about to undo? So I think it's very easy to see Emmett Selk as exactly who the Warrior of Light would be under different circumstances because we tell stories like that all the time. Yeah. And but but in this game, the world that we know and love and fight for is the one he wants to destroy. So it can't happen. Right. <laughs> right. So like that's that's where I was stuck. Is that I could see it, but it's not going to happen. And I think the one brilliant part of this was that it's so consistent with what we learn in in Endwalker that Emmett Selk was basically saying, "I've been crushed by grief and sorrow for twelve thousand years, longer than anyone should have to, and I don't have to accept that. 
I don't have to accept sorrow. We'll deny this. We're going to get it all back. We're going to get paradise back. I don't have to accept sorrow. And I think that that just like that rhymed so well with the with the revelations we got later and still let me see him as kind of that protagonist of a different story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you see it, you see it kind of come to life in a different sense, literally with Elidibus, like literally becoming the warrior of light incarnate is, uh, I mean, it doesn't get that's one of my favorites, man. Like, that's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. fights. I love the story behind that. Uh, And and. Man, that just, yeah, that's that's I would say the 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 example of like that kind of opened it up to me as like if 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 you can become this, like anyone can become this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really really fucking cool. I really liked uh, Warrior of Light. Yeah. For for all I joke about her hesitancy to kill people, I have lost bet after bet after bet to Ishikawa when it comes to characters and how things are going to play out, um, and. Loving Elidibus was one of those. I didn't think anyone could ever get me to love Elidibus. And I love the character he became in the end. Yeah. Um, that that moment where you realize that he was just this idealistic kid who really thought he was doing the right thing. And that his one job was to be impartial and guide his people on the right path. And by being kind of naive, he set himself up to lose his impartiality and become rigidly loyal to one inflexible plan that was never going to work. Yeah. That's like the tragedy of Elidibus is just, it's so good. Yeah. Well, uh, I do want to say we're, we're at two hours, but there's, I don't know how much more time you have pyro moves, <laughs> but not too much more. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's been I'll a little while. Time for you guys. So <laughs> that, that's I understand fair. That people are like, you got schedules. Yeah, like pipes. So I figured, uh, and apparently the ad break already ran, so I'm just going to leave it alone uh, for right now. We can start wrapping stuff up. Uh, but as we're kind of getting to the closing bits of this, I mean, we hit a lot of points. There's still a lot with Shadowbringers to talk about. Uh, we didn't even I do... talk about like uh, Cardinal Sins or Roll <laughs> Quest. We didn't talk about Ardbert or Seto. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Ardbert. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, we could. That's why I wanted to give us a little, little bit of room here, just in the last bits. That anything that was like really vital that you want to just dive into, that we do a little bit of a, a small dive into it. And is Ardbor one of those that you want to dive into? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the slow realization that like the guy that they've set up as this kind of like enemy of you, this kind of like dark reflection from another world, but they're not really you. They're just calling themselves this, but he's actually fucking you. Like that was. Uh, I don't know, dude. That's some of the greatest storytelling, in my opinion. Like initially, when the Warriors of Darkness were introduced, they were kind of whack. But obviously, obviously, how they set them up at the end of Heaven's Ward made it seem like they were going to have some relevance. Uh, And and I totally agree with like what Moose was saying earlier. As far as like, they definitely made me feel like they were just going to take Minfilia and like that was going to be that, and we weren't really gonna. (laughs) Good luck, guys. And whatever happens, we're going to see the consequence here. Mm -hmm. So then. so then when we actually got to go there and, and start to interact and uh, and see like the, you know, like like the first night that you're in the Crystarium, I'm like in the inn and I, you get the vision thing and I see Ardbert and I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is crazy. And after the cutscene ends, I look at my chat. I'm like, chat, I have a feeling that I'm like soul linked to Ar- Ardbert right now. Like he something's going on here. And then like pr- progressing through the expansion and finding out like really what that link was and like. I don't know. I just, uh, 
it was such a it was such a cool phenomenon for me to feel like I was looking at the hero that that I am that just I don't know how to describe it. It's like that that impending potential failure that could loom just around the corner for you because you're the same, like <laughs> in a sense, like uh, and so I, it, it kind of I don't know. It, it made me I just felt very connected to him as a character because. I feel like more than almost any other character, it just felt like you were just looking at yourself. And, uh, and you really, I guess in a sense were with the, with the whole, the Zem shard thing. Um, but the way that they brought that in and, ah, dude, I can't wait to talk about N Walker. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck dude. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. All right. Yeah. We're going uh, to have So, uh, I mean, Arbert, it's funny because when he first was introduced, it's like, well, this is the guy that's in every trailer. And then it like yeah. starts to add up and everything else. Uh, and you see him in the game. He's such a big part of the game. I mean, in the end, he's part of you, technically, right? He gets yeah. absorbed into you and he's with you uh, yeah. in a way. Moose, do you want to? He gave well, that part gave me a lot of headaches at first, because remember, like they didn't have any long term plan to use the Warriors of Darkness for this like 5.0 story. It was a really great like transition story in the 3.4 era. So when they showed up in the 3.4 era, like. I feel like they the dev, the dev team was like, yeah, we can like do an homage to the trailer people to take a shortcut and show them like, yeah, these are just random adventurers from the other world. They could be any of you. Um, but the fact that they looked so much like the trailer party led to a lot of like mistaken identities and conspiracy theories. So it was just it was a headache for me at first. I am like yeah. trying to highlight like, no, the opening cutscene did not have Ardbert in it. The you know, like, <laughs> when we it's are seeing these the trailers, you're seeing, you're seeing Derplander meet Darklander. Like these are two separate landers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and neither of them are Moonlanders. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like the the one in the trailer is kind of you, but kind of not, but kind of so like the fact that it was a shard of you, I think, I think it helped me accept it a little more because at first it felt like a really cool homage that went kind of sideways <laughs> as people <laughs> didn't know how to interpret it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then when I really loved their story, and I really loved how he went back to his world, and I really loved how they were seen villains as, as villains. Um, but it took I I feel like I was on a journey with Ardbert. Yeah. Because I, like him, didn't understand why the hell he was still there. And it was Yeah, very, that was that's a good point. It was awkward and weird to me at first. Like like they just really needed someone to monologue at me sometimes. And I didn't get it. Like the first few times that I went back to the in room and I'm trying to sleep and he's coming in like Jonathan Frakes, like he just here? on mountain biking. <laughs> What's the right tip? Like, I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? Go away. Um, but it was still like great insight to the past. But I feel like we discovered that answer of why he was there together and yeah. joined forces to save his world and that felt great in the end like it all landed was so sweet. good in the end yeah yes the but final cutscenes there where he hands down his axe to you is fucking amazing <sighs> yeah i was i was so cynical for a moment because like when that scene started it's so anime it is so yeah peak jrpg and like i'm watching them get hurt but not die and i'm like okay 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 <laughs> and 
that adult jaded cynical person that I've become watched the beginning of that cutscene, and then somehow as the Ardbert thing came together and like the warrior of light collapsed and Reen didn't make it to them in time and it all started unraveling and then the theme song hits dude and dun, all dun, of that, dun, dun. <laughs> that cynical adult just melted away yep. <laughs> This child jumped off the couch like, yeah, <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> um, it was such a powerful moment. So I'm so glad Ardbert was there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's uh, it's something that you'll I'll fucking I'll, I'll hear in my head for as long as I play the game. Like, yeah, I just remember like my reaction. Just like, yeah, let's <laughs> fucking go. Like, yeah, it was uh. That was probably one of the most satisfying. And that's honestly, that's one of the coolest things I think about this game as far as, far as like their willingness to actually close storylines and bring things to a fucking mm-hmm. end. You know, I, I think that there's, you know, a lot of a lot of storyline opportunities that are just left open in other, you know, like, and wow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so it's really it, I love that they're able to do those types of things, you know, and and I think it. It makes things feel less cheap and makes it feel a lot more meaningful in the long run of like, we we will have memories of things that we did with Ardbert forever, but we also know that he that he's not going to come back. And I feel like, you know, kind of having that finality in certain ways in this game is really nice because it lo- it allows you to actually like feel the feelings and then like process it and like grow from it em- emotionally instead of feeling later like you got like it was cheap or that it, you got cheated out of the truth. Yeah. So Ardbird, I felt like was really one of those like big mainline stories that, that took advantage of, of getting rid of someone in an incredibly meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, one other thing that I feel like we'd be horrible not to just do a brief mention on, even though he didn't end up being like the main villain, he was the main villain going into his Valfrey, right? And so oh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't touched Valfrey at all because when I think about Shadowbringers, I know he exists and I know he was yeah. a part of the story, but he was never something that really mattered that much to me. It was just an angry child you had to deal with at the very, at some point in the story uh, is how I felt. And I mean, he, they went into his backstory and everything, uh, but yeah. Emmett Selk is so much more important than Valfrey. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Valthry definitely filled a very nice gap of like the villain that makes you feel disgusted. Like yeah. Emmett's the villain the villain that makes you fe- feel and feel mm. empathy and you know kind of feel that sorrow. Valthry just made me feel disgusted and just like this is really like the worst of <laughs> what it, it can get to. Uh and when when I first got the cutscene with him I noticed that little thing on his chest and i was like what the fuck is that and my my chat's just spamming smiles because of course he ends up being like the sin eater or whatever like Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck uh yeah but he was like yeah he was just that that representation of like those uh vices and like common sins that you think of that you like gluttony and stuff you know he's just like Mm -hmm. that nice raw just dark fucking example of it thing to hate what's that just the thing to hate is the thing yeah, to be the like thing 100% really just hate and be okay yeah. hating like uh, there's just no reason for him to be around that guy just needs to die <laughs> yeah i think um, we can all unanimously agree on that one yeah 
yeah. Moose, any thoughts on that before we, we close up? Or any thoughts at all? I guess this is a good point. Any thoughts at all about anything else, if not that? On anything else, if not that? I think I can save a lot of it for... Okay. For the for the Endwalker one, because like I think anything else I would explore kind of has to do with where the story went that I didn't expect. But we can use that as the lead into Endwalker, I think. Um, Vothri, I didn't have too, too many deep thoughts on. Like you said, he seemed like a guy that we were just supposed to hate. Um, and it was very interesting to see, like to use him to get kind of like a world building thing going because mm-hmm. he was such an important part of what society could be like but at the same time he was emmett Salk's like plan one of the plans that we made go awry yeah. so it was just, he was a, he it was an interesting like rubik's cube side in the puzzle but i didn't spend a lot of time thinking about him too deep i, I yeah one other th- one other thing i would say is that uh regarding him I did think it was kind of interesting to get that contrast. And someone said in the chat, you know, the meme of like, oh, no, he's hot type thing. Right. When he transforms in the in the mm-hmm. innocence fight. But it also like I specifically love that because that like opened up of like like the the understanding for me of like, what does this light really represent? Like when when it's taking these forms, like what is innocence? You know, like this is innocence in the in the standard of the light. Like that's pretty fucked up <laughs> type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh and it just contrasted like it, it contrasted it, but it didn't. It was like almost like uh, Vothri could show you like that disgusting truth beneath like that shimmering beauty that you see on the outside. That is the light. And mm-hmm. I felt like that interaction, that storyline with him really il- illustrated that more than more than mo- anything else for me. Mm-hmm. I, the, I think the one thing I took away from it was the, that he was so in line with the theme of excess that really what this story was about is that too much of anything is bad that too much of light is just as bad as too much of darkness Mm -hmm. and that's really what we were exploring was that just because you're the warrior of light doesn't mean that infinite everlasting light is a good thing doesn't mean warrior of good there's a there's a perspective (laughs) to this story Yeah. yeah so i think i think vothri for me was like that symbol of excess and and what happens when we give in to excess without realizing it well, by thinking we're the good guys. So like someone was saying, like, um, innocence kind of is how he sees himself because he doesn't recognize that excess. And they and also I think, yeah, someone also said, I this these little things that I fucking I wouldn't even remember. They also said, he, wasn't he born a sin eater? So he never technically committed a sin. Some shit like that committed us that's what people said in chat they said he's innocent like, he was Jesus, born a sin eater so he's, I, I he's never he was i don't think that's really how it works i mean he kind yeah. of he was like he was, the, no, was the soul of a light warden was merged into him by as a baby Elk when as when he was when he was like in gestation period yeah right right it's not like he was conceived as an as a terrible well he was technically so. what is conception i guess anyway <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Technically, he was a normal baby that then got that then got kind of, you know. We could we could get, definitely spin spin got. some philosophy on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. The, anyway. Oh yeah. Uh, so I mean, I think we went over a good bit about Shadow Ringers, and it's I know it's it's a little bit different because we're going back like far back at this point. Um, but it was it was nice. It was nice to go back and reflect on you know what we all experienced and uh because it was was again 
one of the best expansions up until in Walker. I guess there is debate on all that. I didn't that think too. they could top it. Yeah. So that is so you're in the end, you're in the end walkers better than Shadowbringers camp. It de- like I see them as complementary where I don't want to put them in competition because I, I see fair. I see Shadowbringers as the culmination of the story as we thought we knew it. Yeah. I see it because like in that era you have the best Asian fights you're ever going to get. Emmett yeah. Selk is easily the best antagonist that the that the Asians could put forward. It yep. was the culmination of the Asian plan. I I consider the Elidibus fight to be our Zodiac fight because Elidibus had withdrawn himself from Zodiac, so that was really truly the heart of Pretty Zodiac. Much the core so, of it, yeah. Yeah, At I that see. Point, that's everything. I see Elidibus as how Zodiac would have seen himself if we had gone down that road. So I see I see all of that as this this really incredible culmination of the story as we expected it. Yeah. And then to the complement of that, I see Endwalker as the culmination of the saga of these the series of expansions through the lens of like the traditional JRPG. Like it was just a distilled crystallized vaporized snorted like JR- <laughs> J- all of the best and worst things about final fantasy and jrpg history in one and is like i just see it as a totally different thing and i don't want to put them in competition yeah okay fair enough i think i think almost yeah one can't really be quite as appreciable without the other especially yeah. and especially like you're saying in hindsight yeah, mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk N Walker, dude. I can't fucking wait, dude. I know so, I keep saying that. And that's not to take away from Shadowbringers today because I love Shadowbringers, but like, I want to talk about this fucking six point two art with you so bad, Moose. <laughs> Have you seen it? Have this you looked what, yes. at it? Right, the, yeah. the La Brea art. Oh my god. Yeah, it's so good. I am. I have been begging for this because this is. I mean, even on topic for Shadowbringers. I believe that what has happened, like by bringing a third original into the mix, so now you've got La Habrea, Elidibus, and Emmett Selk, mm-hmm. and then having Emmett Selk and Elidibus both get these huge, badass arcs where you like see deep into their personality and they're so powerful and everything's on the line. Meanwhile, it, the other one you get, La Habred. La, La Habred <laughs> has been the victim of some serious villain decay, yeah. and it's time to fix it. Totally agree, dude. Oh, I can't. I can't wait. So, oh, I can't that being wait. said, that being said, do, could we even condense Endwalker <sighs> into a two-hour show? We would need a whole show about Pandemonium and Aglaia alone. So maybe we do, like, Endwalker and then after Endwalker. No, we're going to talk about it in Endwalker. Okay, well, <laughs> we're we're going to have to. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we, because, because by then, too, we're going to be, depending on when that is, right, the next Abyssos is going to be out. Second Wing of Aglaia is probably going to be out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going to be early. Maybe we should wait then until we until we're done. Done. Yeah, I don't know. It could be a year from now, though. We'll figure it out. We'll figure. We're not. We're going to have it soon. We will have a show soon. We'll we'll have a show. No, no. We'll, if, we'll do like in the next month or two. Frosty, do you remember? Uh, do you remember much about the Ultima weapon? I feel yeah, pretty. Do you good. remember what pow- what powered the Ultima weapon? Like what was inside of it? That do you recall that thing? Uh no i can't off the top of my head i can't recall it okay. if you end up finding yourself some free time i know you're busy man i understand you should go <laughs> and uh you should go and do the do uh do that again 
Well, I remember the storyline anyway. with uh, what's his face, kids and everything, and it was like all their oh, like assets. Gaius and all that? Yeah, guys. Yeah. It oh, was, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how much that's relating to that. I know the primals get all sucked up into Ultima and everything. They do. They do. Yeah. But there's something inside of Ultima that's really like. Why, why did he suck up all the primals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's evil. Primals had a bunch of, <laughs> he had a shit ton of ether because he was trying to power up something. I'm going to just leave this. It's called the Heart of Sabik. Okay, that yeah, I don't know anything about that, so that's going to be okay. something for me to. I can't to wait till you can catch up on the raids, dude. They're so yeah, hype right now, Frosty. It'll I will. it'll be hilarious if this is what finally closes the hardest of big story. Dude, I, I would so laugh hope it so does. Hard. I would laugh does. so hard. <laughs> can we please just I, be over it? <laughs> I expected them to just be like, "Oh yeah, that was just that was just Zodiac's shard from the 13th. Don't worry about it." <laughs> like, oh my god! All right, it was it was supposed to come up in 3.0 and it didn't. It got, it got moved out of the story. I feel like I'm. I feel like I, I want to keep going with all this stuff, but I feel like if I don't, we're going to end up on another hour from now. Yep. <laughs> that is right. That is. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. We'll we'll do this again. Thank you everybody for coming back for this. This was fantastic. Uh, I, I love having you guys on. Uh, is a magical moment for me every single time because uh, you're Thanks. so both so passionate about the story and seeing that level of conversation with two people very passionate and deep into the lore is just uh, amazing. And then we have the old jaded veteran of lore, and then we have the new, I guess, uh, I don't know, Fresh bright eyes, eyed. I guess. Yeah, 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 bright eyed. Uh, you, can, you can make me. You can make me sound more cynical. It's okay. Yeah. Don't be offended. <laughs> he can be the happy one. <laughs> oh, the happy and the the angry one. Sure, we could do that. We could do that. No. It's like Eeyore, and I'm like, no, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> that's why I love these shows actually, because I think yeah. I think your experience uh, or your perspective as someone who's like had so much experience in story analysis, but got to become an expert on this particular story all at once. Like no years of knowing things that got retconned, no three month, you know, wait between patches for everything to mutate, no all those debates about what could be coming, like all like you you got to just like become an expert on this story in real time at your pace, in your way, with your skills. And that's a perspective that not many people are going to have. So I love these conversations. That's awesome. Thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah I I uh yeah. It's it's like uh it can be a little bit overwhelming and hard to remember. That's like the worst part about it is like, cause it is all together, mm-hmm. but it, it it's, it's definitely been like the most, the craziest like narrative ride of, of any of just of anything like that I've ever experienced. So this mm-hmm. is one of my favorite things to like come back and check in and do because uh, I mean, I don't do it with anyone else. Like, you know, so uh, and to, to have, to be able to have you come on moose and like, kind of have you there to like be able to fact check and also give your perspectives and everything is super awesome. And, you know, like, like I always say, you guys were two of the first people that, you know, wanted to interact with me when I came into the community and we did that a long time ago and, um, and it was really fun and you guys have always been super welcoming and, and really helped make me feel uh, like a part of the community. So, well, I mean, I said you it last time are now you are, you are at this point, at we're this glad, point, I must be. Stayed. We're yeah, glad you thanks. stayed. Thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate that, that. That being said, uh, we'll figure out and schedule all the stuff when it's optimal and best to do the the, the next show. But we will make another one here. Um, between then and now, uh, Pyro, you're going to be doing tons of stuff, I'm sure, uh, with the game with Final Fantasy fourteen. If people wanted to find you, uh, you know, where can they find you? And if you have any lash outs or anything, 
please, you know, go ahead and do those too. Yeah, so I stream on Twitch over at twitch.tv slash slash Rich W. Campbell. Um, <laughs> you can, I, def, I don't stream any Final Fantasy though. Um, so sorry about that. Uh, you can find my YouTube. Uh, it's youtube.com slash Pyromancer. And my Twitch is, is twitch.tv slash Pyromancer. You put it in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I stream Final Fantasy. I stream like four to, uh, well, anywhere from like three to five days a week right now. Um, uh, we actually have like a little bit of like a fundraiser going on on my stream right now. I don't know if you're aware. Um, my wife recently had to have an emergency surgery. Um, and so we do actually have a fund up on my channel. If anyone is interested in helping with that, um, we don't have any insurance and it was quite a stay in the hospital uh, as well. If you'd like to learn more about that, it's it's on a VOD from a few days ago and there's also a description in there. So um, if anyone's interested in helping with that, we would really, really appreciate it. And there's already been so much support. Um, I really can't say thank you enough. Uh, and she would like to say thank you at some point as well. So um, other than that, man, like that's just the most important thing to me right now. If you guys want to come and catch a stream, I really appreciate it. Um, but otherwise, my YouTube's kind of dead until I decide to to nut up and actually make fucking videos. And so it looks like s- some people are shelling out some love for you there. Yeah, uh, holy Frosty. fuck. <laughs> there you go, dude. You doubled my sub numbers. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit. Thanks, uh, Sultan. That was definitely unexpected. Um, there you go, dude. Holy Hell shit. Yeah. Do I have a piece of paper stuck in my beard? Hold on. You do. I've been, <laughs> I've been like ripping apart this piece Definite. of straw paper for like, I don't know, two hours. It's just something to fiddle with while we're talking. Uh Anyways, yeah, holy shit, thanks for that. Uh, just as we're ending the show, too. Um, but yeah, please check out Pyromancer, and yeah, absolutely throw love and support his way. He's such an amazing uh, content creator for the Final Fantasy XIV community that's been here for... It feels like now you're just here. Like, it wasn't like you're new. You're not new to the community anymore. You're here. You're part of it. So Yeah, at this uh, point, it's been, it's been over a year, so... I, I I said I was gonna play this game and I wasn't wasn't you going did anywhere. It. <laughs> so here we are. Um, that being said, too, please, uh, Moose, if you could tell everybody who you are and any kind of shoutouts or anything else you want to say before we wrap the show. I mean, not who you are, but where they can find you. Sorry, who I am. Who yeah. I am. Uh, <laughs> right, right now, I think the best places to find me are just um, any of the Discord servers that you can find me in anywhere with a lore channel uh, at Anonymous XIV on Twitter, uh, Onwill A N W Y L L on Twitch. The current the current state of affairs is that I stream when there's like new story content, and I'm I would like to do more, but that's all I can commit to right now. And a lot of the conversations that I'm having are kind of in smaller spheres right now because after Endwalker, a lot of the public discussion took a very uh, inflammatory turn in a lot of circles there's it's been it's been a lot of the open a lot of the open areas got a little unpleasant Mm. so i i I walked that back a bit but you can still find me on all of the all of the the places that i am if there's war (laughs) somewhere in the community whether there's a discord a forum somewhere else moose is probably there in open spaces right now hopefully again one day open spaces again okay are you able to do you play much outside of stream are you able to 
I am able to. Um, it's increasing now. Actually, work was pretty wild for a little bit, and I'm just getting stable with all of that now. So I'm hoping to slowly branch out again. Like last time we did this, I was like, yeah, I really hope it settles down. Uh, but it took a little longer than than that. And now it's just getting there. Mm-hmm. Since we have DC travel now, I just have to find you and add you. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like I can be on at a moment's notice. Like I'm not like I'm not not on because I'm not here. I'm just I've I've triaged the most important things to do. Yeah. So idea. like if, if the most important thing to do is be online and do something in game, I'll be there. Cool. Yeah. Like that's kind of my life too. Is triage is literally <laughs> everything right now. It's like ultimate raids are amazing, but that is gone outside the range of <laughs> what I have the ability to do right now. Especially with that most recent one. Holy. F- Fuck. Yeah, Dragon that... Song's nuts. Moose, you have a YouTube, right? Yeah, I just Do saw you? Pash mentioning that. Yeah, what Tell happened was uh, what happened was I moved all of my um, like people just like they were like, you should play it live. You should play it live. So I did. And I moved all the video on demand over to YouTube. Nice. And then I got like halfway through doing all the descriptions and titles and thumbnails and stuff. And then just had to do other stuff and it <laughs> just kept falling behind. And a, a friend of mine, Rockle, has graciously agreed to just do the rest of the um, labeling and post them. So those are finally going up. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's yeah. go. New content. So if Whoa. if you want to uh, I post that channel, what's the channel? Do you have a, a channel name for it? Like, is it just simple? Is there like a crazy amount of symbols or whatever else? I think there, I think the last time I looked at it, it was a crazy amount of symbols. Well, if you want to put it in but chat, <laughs> I have you as mod, so you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll make it easier while we're kind of wrapping up here. Um, again, you guys are fantastic. It means a lot that you came on and did this show after such a long time. Uh, and I, I look forward to the future shows that we can do as well. Um, there is so much cool stuff happening within the Final Fantasy XIV community. We have another ex- uh, uh, patch coming up that's going to be a huge, huge patch with lots of different things for lots of different people who play Final Fantasy XIV, the experience. Uh, just to let you guys know, next weekend we won't have a MOG talk. It will be a weekend off that we will probably declare planning time for uh, and try to get the next ones going, such as getting the next one of these shows going. Uh, so, uh, have a little bit of a rest, uh, a break that weekend. I will say that we are still planning to do coverage on the world race, which will happen when the patch comes out, uh, right at that time. We're planning for a 48 hour stream. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty huge production that we're putting a lot into. Uh, so, so please check out. We're, I, we haven't decided on a charity, but we'll be raising money for uh, a charity as well. I think in the last two events that we did, we raised somewhere between twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars for separate charities, uh, and it yeah. was amazing to get the support uh, from the community for that. Um, but that being said, we're going to go to wrap up. Uh, I will say there is an event that's happening. Uh, there's the Lunar Con that's going on for one, right? And then there's also it's a small thing. <laughs> it's just a small thing. Uh, there's also the Wolf's League uh, that's happening, the PvP event, because people like PvP in Final Fantasy XIV now. So uh, we have that going on. I am going to do some uh, shoutcast commentary on that tonight. Uh, I don't know if he's live, but I'm going to raid the channel anyways. Assume 
<laughs> that he is. Uh, well, I'll check. I'm going to run the credits, and during the credits, I'll check to see if the channel's live. It is. We'll uh, send you guys over there. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for watching. This has been a fantastic show. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Remember, be good, keep cool, and we're all going to wave and say bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Perfect. That's right before I hit the transition screen. <laughs>